Will you fight? No. We will run. And we will live. Shame on you. This could be the greatest night of our lives. But you're going to let it be the worst. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. Well, I'm not going home. You've got too far! And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause. A day may come when the courage of men fails. But it is not this day. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You're going to work harder than you ever worked before. But that's fine. We'll just get tougher with it. If a person gets his teeth and shows real determination, failure is not an option. That's how winning is done. Believe me when I say we can break this army here. And win just one for the giver. But I say to you, what every warrior has known since the beginning of time, you've got to get mad. I mean plumb mad dog me. If you would be free, man. Then you must fight to fulfill that promise. Let us cut out their living guts one inch at a time. And they will know what we can do. Let no man forget how menacing we are. We are lions. It's like a big bear, man. This is your time. Seize the day. Never surrender. Victory or death. Watch the Chicago. Who's with me? Gentlemen in England, now a bed. So no, my name is the Lord. But I tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our Independence Day. Five minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of December in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, the talker in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Greetings, friends of Whimsy. This is the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for coming along. It's 503 if you'd like to join us uh, on this uh, Wednesday. It is New Year's Eve. It is December 31st, 2008. We are here. We are live. Uh, thank you for coming along. Hey, Sarah, is this your teacher watch you just printed? Uh, yeah. And I swear to God, I just printed... I took some of your stories, I think. Really? Is the story with the Microsoft Zoom in there? Yeah. All right, okay. That's my... Okay, as long as it's somewhere. All right. Excellent. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Nine seventy. If you'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musics, uh, musics, musings, limericks, 
I cool. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. It is uh, New Year's Eve, so hello and greetings to you. It's 503-733-2970. Richard Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane, quite possibly the absurd. Um, all right, here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent and living God, Bob Costantini, will join us today uh, from the Hill. Uh, we'll also be talking to CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. I think Lisa Desjardins already gone on vacation. Steve Kastenbaum, who's in New York, he was up this morning, and now he's taking a nap, I guess, or doing something or other. Sort of family thing. Uh, and then he's back at Times Square tonight uh, for New Year's Eve. And by that point, I'm not going to be here. We're not going to be on the air. I will be, uh, I don't know, I'll be elsewhere, I guess. So, um, if I sound a little gravelly today, it's because I spent many, 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 many hours last night at my father's place. Uh, my father's place. Jesus. Inhaling all the secondhand smoke Breathing and its gloriousness. Secondhand smoke. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to go back there tonight, but we're going to be, we're, Lara and I are going to try to find some sort of smoking place tonight before, you know, the new year rings in the, uh, rings in an exciting golden era of fascism. I went to a bar last night and everyone was up to two packs last night. Everyone was just chain oh, yeah. I've never seen people smoking so Smoking much. Smoking it down like there's Couldn't no tomorrow. Couldn't see it was yeah. so smoky in there. Uh, so Joni and I, uh, you know, my uh, creative and filmmaking partner, Joni DeRoshi, she and I have spent so many, I mean, I can't even calculate at this point the number of hours that she and I have spent at my father's place because that's just, you know, because that's the place where we kind of defaulted to, I think, early on in our sort of uh, creative relationship. And I think I think it might have been the first place we, we really got together to talk about anything for any substantial period of time. And, of course, you know, Joni you know, was and he is not a chain smoker, but I mean, she's a heavy smoker. And... It was the only place we could really meet without everybody having to get up and walk outside every ten minutes so people could take a goddamn cigarette break. So we just started working there. And anyway, we'll talk more about it here in a bit. As a nation of free men becomes a nation of sheep. Uh, but we spent so many hours of our lives there writing on you know, things and working on things and editing things and you know, sort of scheming and brainstorming. And so uh, she, you know, she has plans with her uh, with her gentleman friend tonight, and I got plans with Lara and whatever. So she and I went there last night, and I ran into a listener there. Uh, his name is Mike, I think. We ran into a listener, and he was like you said, he was just he was it was like he was doing everything but double fisting the cigarettes. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised at one point to look over and just see him doing the thing, of just lighting the whole pack in his mouth at once and just <laughs> sucking it on down. And don't get me wrong, I don't even smoke, so uh, you know it was. It was kind of poignant, though, especially at a place like that, which is, and I don't say this when any disrespect, I mean, I think everybody who knows me knows that this is a compliment. That place is just such a beat-down dive bar. I mean, it's just such a fetid hole in so many ways, which is what makes it glorious and fantastic. It's like Lester Banks said, you know, they got the courage to be drunken buffoons, which is what makes them poetic. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing with my father's place and the horse brash and all of those, all of those joints. So... Anyway, so I uh, so I sucked down a whole lot of cigarette smoke last night. I went night. to Morton's last night and sat in the smoking section. I didn't know there was a smoking section in Morton. Yeah. Morton's downtown? Yeah, yeah, because I went and visited Kelsey because she works right down the street. And so, right. um So we went there, and um, I want to say hi to Mark. Mark the Brit, he um, he works there, and he listens every day. And Excellent. so he was there, but it's like this super fancy place. They have um, like this big bottle of liqueur there. It's $185 a yeah. shot. Yeah. I I, yeah, just everyone was just in there smoking cigars and cigarettes and loving each other and their secondhand smoke. I do believe every now and again our general manager uh, can be seen at Morton's. Uh, I think he has a, I think he. I think it's a martini. I think that's his drink. I might be wrong about that, but I think our general manager, Dave McDonald, I think he's a martini man. And so every now and again, because, you know, he divides his time between here and the King Building and the Coin Tower, 
And so I think like an alternate Tuesdays or something, you'll see him at Morton's in the back, uh, you know, looking uh, radiant and sophisticated with his martini and quite possibly a cigar. Anyway, uh, it is New Year's Eve, so thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us. You can also email. It's rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, richie with a t at 970.am. And coming up uh, later on in the news hour... David Walker uh, will join us to round out the year. David Walker, late of Willamette Week, and now we've uh, we christened him. I saw him yesterday for Outlook Portland. We have christened him uh, Portland Pop Culture Analyst. That is his new title, Portland uh-huh. Pop Culture Analyst David Walker, whose writings can be read at badassmofo.com. Uh, so he will join us later on for the news hour. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, gonna be with us today. We'll do the top five. Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in 2008. I just finished it. Really? It's amazing. You feel confident? Oh, yeah. You're not gonna be second guessing yourself. Nope. Alright, not gonna agonize over anything. I'd hate for you to do that. Nope, I'm not. I'm very confident. I'd hate for you to blow your one chance at nailing down all the songs from 2008 that resonated with you. Oh, these are, I have, um, my top three I've been obsessed with all year, so I'm very comfortable. Very cool. Alright, so, uh, I did my Monday. Uh, Jamie Cooley did hers, uh, yesterday, today. Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in 2008. Uh, let's see what else. I think our final joy of Christmas for 2008 is coming up today. Uh, we'll get to that. We will announce the Glorious Bastard of the Year today. Who wants to know what the Glorious Bastard of the Year wins? Oh, it's a big, long list, isn't it? Yes, it is, Richard Bristol. I don't want to know. It's huge. Why don't you want to know, Sarah? Why do you hate? <laughs> because I, it's going to be awesome, and we never get any of it. Yeah. Do so we have to pile it all up and take a picture of him with it? Uh, yeah, I think we did that last year. When the guy came and he won that thing, he won the furniture from Ecopedia's that was in, like, filled with stuff. Um, here's what this year's Glorious Bastard is going to be winning. The Glorious Bastard of the Year will win... We'll just go, I'll read these in no particular order. A Case of Lemonade Viso, Into the Wild on DVD, The Game Plan on DVD, Life of Brian, The Immaculate Edition on DVD, Rush Hour 3, The Complete First Season of American Gangster on DVD, Dan in Real Life on DVD, Lost Boys, The Tribe on DVD, The Man Called Flintstone DVD, The Complete Sixth Season of The Shield on DVD, Nature Boys, Ric Flair, The Definitive Collection on DVD, The Incredible Hulk DVD, Hellboy 2 on DVD, Gumby the Movie, the Complete Filmation Adventures of the Superheroes on DVD. The Complete Third Season of The Muppet Show on DVD. The Bodyguard and Bodyguard 2 on DVD. Listen to this now. The Anniversary Collection of Sports Night. The entire series on DVD. Uh, incredible Action Smashing Hulk Hands. Whatever those might be. And Bacon Salt. There you go. That's what you win for being the Glorious Bastard of the Year. We will announce that person later on today. Glorious Bastard of the Year today before the end of the program. Uh, what else? I had some other crap that I was that I was really excited about getting to today, and it's not that the crap is not there or exciting. It's just that I'm even by my own standards, I'm running a little bit. I'm running a little bit behind today. We had a little bit. Our dog issues continue sort of unabated. Um, so I got more sleep last night, but that's only because the dog isn't. What's the clinical word? Pooping everywhere. So because if you heard me yesterday, and we'll talk more about yesterday's show in a moment, um, and sort of a recap, and then we'll find out what everybody here is doing for New Year's, and we'll talk a little bit about everybody else's New Year's plans later on, sort of a high concept thing, but if you heard me yesterday, I was I was feeling a little frayed around the edges mentally, and it's because I only got about three hours of sleep, whatever that would have been, Monday night into Tuesday morning, so when I came in yesterday, I'd only had three hours of sleep, because I had gone to bed around midnight, 12, 30, something like that. And then, you know, long story short, our new dog, Philo, he had some sort of stomach unpleasantness. And then, you know, the bedroom was just suddenly uh, suddenly filled with the most foul of defiling. And so I had to get up at, like, 
whenever it was, like 1 in the morning or something, and clean the bedroom without trying to turn on the light because my wife wakes up at 4.30 and... You know, and it's just a whole thing, and then you got to put the dog in the crate, and then he whines, and he feel like a dick, and you know, whatever. So, um, so that was so that was yesterday, where I came in like three hours of sleep because of Philo's stomach issues. Well, the good news is, I mean, he's no longer, uh, you know, with the poo everywhere. Uh, so we've avoided, but that's not just because he's not eating. So we, we're on that the second day now of the dog not eating at all, and he's still a puppy, which means he doesn't weigh all that much. And anyway, so I'm not trying to drown everybody in dog anecdotes. I'm just saying. So, yeah, didn't eat yesterday, didn't eat last night, didn't eat this morning. So we're now on almost 48 hours where the dog won't eat. So so that's a lot of fun because then you just sit there and you're like thinking, well, I don't know. Maybe it's a tumor. Eh, dogs don't get tumors. Wait, they do get tumors. Well, he's a puppy. Hold on. Maybe he's got, maybe he's a puppy with that, that disease that turns you into an 80-year-old when you're only like one. Because he'd be seven now because he's a dog. I bet that's what it is. I bet it, my dog has got that old person's disease and now he's got a tumor. All right. Well, it's two in the morning. There's nothing I can do about it. I could do something about it. Maybe I could. Uh, maybe I could examine it myself. No, I shouldn't do that. Anyway, so now I, you know, so you get all these weird thoughts in your head about it. So then today, as soon as the show's done today, I got to do some stuff. I got to take the dog to the vet. So just, uh, just one thing. It's one thing after another. And I'm not typically one of those guys who says, well, I can't wait for the new year to be here. I can't wait for this year to be over. But let me tell you right now, friends and neighbors, I can't wait for this year to be over. Not that there haven't been good things about this year. Uh, not that this year it, it didn't have its high points and some great moments. But I really got to tell you, you want to talk about a year that just took kind of a hairpin turn into the suck. I mean, really, just like in the last 30 days or so. I, I And I'm not guaranteeing that 2009 is going to be substantially different in any way. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I'm just looking forward to turning the page both literally and figuratively. Much as I love my serial killer calendar, I'm looking forward to sticking up a new one and just starting from scratch next Monday. So it is 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing well. <sighs> I'm a little exhausted. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I got lots of sleep last night, so we're balanced out. Okay, good. Yeah, because I got a lot of sleep the night before, yes, but you did. yeah, not really last night. And yes, I went. I too went to many a bar and uh, went and smoked to my little heart's content last night. Even non-smokers were smoking last night. Well, that's. I mean, and the, 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 that's the thing. Is like I kind of, you know, I went. I went in last night to my father's place, and it does have just. You know, I really do love that place. I mean, it really is. It was one of the. It's one of. And I don't say this is something like an endorsement or a. You know, why I'm not being paid to say this. It's just a truly wonderful Portland place uh you know and everybody kind of has their bar everybody has the corner joint they go hang out at or whatever and you know and, 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 no no one bar is any better than another i guess it's all a matter of personal taste but i'm saying for me if i had to distill down to its bare essence part of what makes portland great a certain slice of the portland culture it would be embodied by my father's place and a part of that is just is the you know is the cigarette smoke that hangs in the air and just gives everything this great romantic filthy disgusting wonderful haze was I t- was it on the air or was it off the air? Was I telling that story about the couple that was like kissing to the Slayer record? Yeah, yeah, I think you said that on the air. You know, and it's like I mean that's on Christmas Eve. I mean if you're at my father's place on Christmas Eve listening to Slayer, you know, at like eleven o'clock and playing Kino and stirring your Bloody Mary with a celery stick, you know, it, you are cut from a certain kind of cloth. And though you know, people from that kind of uh, you know, people who march to that drummer, they deserve their own place to go. So it's not like everything has to be brought down to the level of Mormons and nine year olds. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and, it's, and first of all, can we also just say this? Not like everybody who works here doesn't already smoke anyway, sometimes while pregnant. So, you know, I'm just saying. Like somebody is pregnant and smoking? Well, I was making the point that people who, if you get a job at a place like my father's, uh, my father's place, you know, if you work there, 
Let, let's let's all be honest. If you're a bartender at a dive bar, you already smoke. It's not like you're living like you have some some sort of like clean living going on, and then you, you're somehow having the cigarette smoke foisted upon you because you have to go work at like uh, the Jolly Inn or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you work there, you already smoke, and that, and and it. it and that is highlighted by the fact that Joni and I were at my father's place one night, and we saw the woman who was our server. She was our waitress for the night. We actually saw her leaving and walking to her car later. And as she's walking out and getting into her car, immediately <laughs> fires up the cigarette smoke. So, I mean, it's not like you're a paragon of virtue and clean living uh, if you're employed at one of those places, you know, like like from jump. So, in any event. So what are your big plans for tonight, Sarah Dillon? I believe I'm actually going to do a bar fly bus tonight. Uh, the comedian's hosting a barfly bus, so I think I'm going to be doing that. All right, then. And so, what is that? So, what's the thing with this? You go from one bar to another? Uh huh. And I guess uh, Jen handpicked like all smoking bars. Excellent. So that makes me very happy. All so right. I'm going to do that, and then um, I don't know. We yeah, we'll see how that goes, and if it's not you know as fun as I'd like, then I might just you know go and meet up with some friends or whatever. And nobody really has any plans. It's kind of weird. Have you noticed that that nobody is there are no big uh, New Year's Eve happenings at least as far as I'm aware of. I think uh, why KUFO was doing something at Dante, yeah, Super, Super Suckers. Are suckers. So that's great. But, I mean, just in terms of, like, people we know personally, every single person I know that has sent out, like, a text or an email or has left me a, a voicemail about this, they've all said basically the same thing this year. They said, look, we're not really doing anything big. We're just going to be kind of hanging out and drinking and uh, probably uh, Wii Tennis at some point and Dick Clark. And that's about it. There's really nothing. So come by if you want. But it's... Uh, Really gonna be very low key. Yeah, Every that's single just, just like I just don't want to deal with amateur hours. So I'm just gonna have people over. That's what like Lisa Woods doing. That's what yeah. like a lot of my friends are doing. So Richie Bristol, hello. How are you today? Good. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Yeah, Richie, what are you gonna do? Plans tonight? for your New Year's evening? I was debating whether to put a dress on and go. You were baiting. Oh, you're debating. I'm debating. sorry. Debating. Debating. Oh, I had a little idiocracy moment there. And to put a dress on and go embarrass my friends at their parties. That's great. All right. <laughs> that's wonderful. But I'm excited. I get a. I'm going to lunch with Tim Friday. Tim Riley. How come we weren't invited? No, I wasn't told there was lunch with Tim Riley. Or is there only lunch with Tim Riley if you're Richie Bristol? Yeah. That's great. No, actually, he's doing podcasts, weekly podcasts. I'm going to help him with it. Excellent. Well, tell him I said howdy and hello. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, Tim and I were emailing back and forth the other day about, about something or other. I forget what it was, but... Oh, I, I won't. I, here's, here's what it was, and I won't be any more specific. Uh, Tim uh, sent me an email the other day. There was... You know how we had the discussion with Jamie Cooley yesterday that when you are unemployed, you're between radio gigs, that there are certain people who just don't ever contact you when you're unemployed. You know, like as soon as you lose your radio job, somehow they lose your phone number. But once you get the gig back, somehow they remember that you exist again, right? But there is this sort of small group of people. They exist in sort of the, the inverse of that. There are There's a small group of people that you really don't ever want to hear from, but as soon as you lose your job, they come out of the woodwork because they got some weird Amway radio kind of scam that they want to foist off on you. So it is sort of like other, it is other frustrated radio people, but they've all got some weird multi-level marketing scam that they want to like shove onto you as a way to create, you know, as a way to create some sort of business empire. And so uh, Tim let me know that one of those people had come out of the woodwork and found him. So he and I were commiserating about that in any event. Well, tell him I said, uh, tell him I said howdy and whatnot. All right. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. We'll get a couple phone calls here. We'll take a break. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Bob Costantini. Ooh, ooh, and I got a couple other things here. Uh, Dave Walker is going to be here in the noon hour. We have an amazing news stories today, too. Uh, News stories to get to. uh, Some of the other great songs from 2008. We'll get to that. Also, I want to thank listener Jeff for sending me this way. Uh, 
there is now an online database that is browsable by everyone of Multnomah County teachers who have been suspended, fired, had their teaching credentials revoked or otherwise been punished, and it lists out all of the details of why that happened. I mean, it's just, and it's just so much more entertaining than you could possibly imagine. So we'll get to those as well. Uh, hello. Hi, sir, madam, as the case may be. You are the first call of today's program on the last show of 2008. Hello. How's it going? What's up? Um, I just wanted to uh, give a suggestion on a place to get some great secondhand smoke. Um, Shanghai Tunnel. Mm -hmm. you, you go downstairs and seriously, you'll, you'll smoke a pack just sitting there. Now, when you That's say, a good high concept. Like, where should everyone go to get the most secondhand smoke tonight? Yeah. But wait a minute. When you say the Shanghai Tunnel, you can get your smoke. You mean like... Do you mean like in an opium den? I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> You've never been to the Shanghai Tunnel? Like the Shanghai Tunnels? No, the the bar. No. That's it's just cool. a downstairs kind of uh, hole in the wall, but there's no ventilation. It's just packed with cigarette smoke. All right, hold on. No ventilation and packed with cigarette smoke. I like what I'm hearing. All right. Shanghai Tunnel. Fantastic. All right. And uh, so uh, will, you, will you be spending the bulk of the evening there, sir, or simply stopping in? I'll probably stop in, get my uh, get my smokes worth. And then make my way across town. All right. And I mean, when you're at those places, you kind of, I mean, it's like when Joni and I were sitting at my father's place last night. We're looking around and we realized that, like, we couldn't even, we can't even imagine what it's going to be like without cigarette smoke. I'm not saying the place is going to fall apart or it's just going to cease to exist. But I mean, it's, I just can't picture it. It is just so, my brain won't, it's like a 404 you know, message on the internet where the page just won't even come up. I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like. The vibe is going to be so totally different that it'll, it will almost seem like a completely separate location to me. So, well, all right. Excellent. Well, happy New Year, sir. Be safe. You too. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, uh, I just wanted to give you a call because uh, yesterday you guys were talking about the best DVD box sets of the year. Yes. Well, um, I got, I got, um, for Christmas, I took advantage of that, uh, sale that a retailer had and bought a whole bunch of HBO box sets, including The Sopranos, the complete series right. that came out this year. Then this giant self-box, it's a mammoth book with all 33 discs in it. It is the most gorgeous DVD box set I've ever seen in my entire life. I hate to make this comparison, but I have to, because that sounds a lot like the Sex in the City box set that Sarah has. Then they come in a book. It's in a Bible. Yes. It comes in a Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I heard the Sopranos, the, the, the Sopranos thing was like 400 bucks. Yeah, it's a four hundred. It's three fifty list, which means you'll get it at two hundred. But it was on right. sale for one hundred and seventy-five. And I also, I also picked up The Wire, the complete series, yeah. and Deadwood, the complete series. And I've never seen an episode of any of them. And okay. I'm super stoked to watch it all. How much is that Wire, the complete series? Uh, it's usually like one hundred and sixty. But I got it for 90. Now, see, I pay that in a heartbeat. That might be the finest show ever to grace television, by the way. So I pay that. It, 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 I mean, even twice that, it'd be worth it. So I envy you, sir, watching The Wire from the very beginning. It is it is a show without parallel. Yeah, that's the one I haven't watched yet. Yeah. I've been focusing on Deadwood, but everyone keeps telling you. You're not the first person to tell me, forget everything else and watch The Wire. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations on a, on a, you know, on a, on a, on a good purchaser. You have chosen wisely. Thank you. Happy right. New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, sir. There you go. We'll break here in a second. We'll come back. Bob Costantini. We want to thank uh, Jamie Cooley for coming in yesterday, and I'm still getting email about it. Yeah, she did a great job. And really, it, the email is now, the ratio is now changed. Now only one out of every four emails are demanding picture of Jamie's, uh, pictures of Jamie's bosoms. So that is down from about 80% of them yesterday. I, uh... I have to say, yesterday we were all a little bit mental. Sarah uh, came in, and you were a little off kilter because you'd had sort of an unpleasant night, the, you know, the evening yeah, before. Very much I'd right. had no sleep. Jamie had a fight with her, had a fight with her dad. 
you know, and then hadn't been on the radio in quite some time since she got laid off at KNRK, so there's that. And I think, I mean, the, the show ended up being really, really good. Uh, yesterday's, especially the last half of yesterday's show was great. But I think, I think I speak for all of it. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. Sarah and I were sort of looking at each other, I think, in the early part of yesterday's program, wondering if it was really going to work at all, because I think Jamie seemed so sort of keyed up about everything. I mean, she just seemed she was, very... She was freaked out. I am... You know, and it is scary. It's a lot of pressure. She hasn't been on, you know, she was on the radio for 13 years, but at the same time, she hasn't been on it in, what, like a, a year, six Something months? like that, yeah. But the better part of a year, she's been off, and yeah. I mean... And she was terrified. I, mean, I, I felt so bad for her. I really feel like at some point, if I had just shouted at her out of the blue, I would have shattered her into a million pieces. Yeah, that first, yeah, the first hour, I was really nervous for her because she was just, she was so fragile. Yeah, but I mean, it's, but, uh, you know, as we always do, we we inevitably just, uh, we give into it and we just address and all the, the awkwardness in the room. talking about, you know, sleeping with band members and stuff. It's fine. Well, never mind. Never mind. I'm going to turn off the snark right now. All right. It is New Year's, after all. But we do have to have her back so we can hear her laid-off story. Yes. Yes, we do. All right. Uh, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. Bob Costantini around the corner as we prepare to wrap up 2008. Uh, later on, Senior Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy, David Walker, Mr. Skin, the top five, and more. It is New Year's Eve on The Rick Emerson Show. Stay right there. <laughs> the Rick Emerson radio program. Right now I demand that somebody do a mashup of this song and that Adam's Family Groove thing by Hammer. Oh, they do what they want to do. What they want to say. That's all it. Can't you hear that right there? All right, one of you one of you crazy kids with your Pro Tools should uh, get cracking on that right now. It's 503-733-2970. There's the Rick Emerson radio program. So don't let me forget, though. Uh, we'll talk to Bob Costantini in a moment. Don't let me forget at some point today to read through, and again, listener Jeff is the one I have to thank for this. He sent me this. It's a complete list of teachers who have been, uh, they've been suspended, fired, or have their, tre- uh, have had their teaching credentials revoked here in Multnomah County. But the great thing about it is it tells the teacher, it tells the school, and then it gives like specific examples of why they had their teaching credentials revoked. This one has the word buttocks in huge letters. I'll leave it at that. Let's welcome now to the record show. Oh, for the love of Christ. Well, that was an overture that led to no show of any kind at all. Now, there we go. Let's try it again. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program. From the Hill, CNN racial correspondent, Bob Costantini. Hello, Rick. Hello, Hello, Bob. How are you today? I got cut off there for a second, so yes. I just uh, uh, just got back on time. Okay. Can I tell you, Bob, in a world of changes and uncertainty, uh, there are some things that are constants. There are things uh, that are that are stable and comforting because of that, and you are one of those things, Bob Costantini. You are you're a rock. I thought you were going to say that the fact that in the communications business we always have difficulty communicating. No, I wasn't going to say that. I would, but you really Thank are you. A, you are you really are a pillar of stability here, Bob. You Thank know, you. And, 
Uh, they were you. We sometimes we Sarah and I walk in here and we just never quite know how the day is gonna uh, gonna un, un, unroll on us. Some days it's great, some days it's challenging, as they say in the sales department. But no matter what's going on, no matter all the other variables that might be going on with our lives, with the show, with anything, you Bob Costantini, you always deliver exactly as we expect you to. And for that, I thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Rick. And I hope everybody has a happy New Year too. All right. Well, let's talk about. Uh, so goodbye. Oh. That was a little humor, Bob. Well done. All right. Yeah, Somebody, what can I tell? Somebody's made a resolution. Um, uh, let's talk about our good friend, speaking of humor, uh, Rod Blagojevich. So you almost, I don't know if this guy makes all his own decisions or if he has advisors that sort of, you know, where you sit down in a room and you kind of hash out what you're supposed to do and then you figure out the best strategy and, you know, and then he sort of presents it. So I don't know if he, how much of this stuff he comes up with by himself. But this is pretty fascinating, and I and you'll have to sort of help me make it, a little more simple because I can't even really track all the variables here. But, but of course, Rob Blagojevich is this, you know, the Illinois governor who, from all outward appearances, certainly seems to be just, just as, is, I mean, just as crooked as you could possibly be. And I, and I know he hasn't been, uh, you know, he hasn't been convicted of anything. But the guy just seems very weaselly, and it does seem to be an umbrella of suspicion over him. Let's say that. And so. This all came about because he was allegedly trying to, like, auction off Barack Obama's Senate seat on eBay or something. And so now, while all of this business is going on about whether they're going to impeach him or whether they're going to censure him or, you know, whether they're just going to put him in the stocks and throw rotten melons at his head or something, you know, all of this has been this question of who who's going to get the Senate seat. So correct me if I'm wrong. So yesterday, he appoints um, to the Senate seat a guy who was the comptroller and now there's this weird kind of game of political chicken going on where probably a bunch of people don't want to confirm whoever it is because he is linked to Blagojevich, but I guess they can't really say no because there's, you know, there is this sort of, you know, there's this sort of racial element to it now, you know, that, that a lot of people have brought up. Have I got the broad strokes of this correct? You've got the broad strokes of it correct. He is um, Roland Burris, who is the former comptroller, but also the former attorney general in uh, Illinois, who... Um, is who's someone who might very well have been on a short list to fill this position had there not been all of this controversy surrounding Governor Blagojevich. But uh, unfortunately for Burris, if you will, no Democrats in the Senate have come forward and said uh, that they believe he should be seated. The Democratic leadership in the Senate, um, other Democrats have made it very clear that they do not believe anyone appointed by uh, Governor Blagojevich, uh, is uh, viable um, while he's under that huge suspicion of having allegedly sold strike self the uh, Senate seat that Barack Obama vacated. So uh, there, it's still – a lot of this still has to play out, but it's going to have to play out very quickly because next uh, week the Senate comes back into session, and uh, the Democrats, the leadership, and the Republicans as well, really – may have to decide if they're going to have a vote on whether or not to seat Burris. And um, that could be could, it could be a bit prickly, really, because of the, the racial situation. Um, and, it, you know, some people are saying that they – one of the people who got up at the news conference yesterday, Bobby Rush, who's an Illinois congressman, African-American, former Black Panther Party member, um, said don't hang and don't lynch the uh, appointee just because of what the appointer uh, has done. And um, that's that's what's playing itself out here. Well, and it's interesting to note that, I mean, even though, again, this, this guy just does seem unbelievably... He, he, 
he just seems um, he just seems so thoroughly uh, just scummy and dis- disreputable, uh, Blagojevich. When you look at him, I keep thinking every time, and this is just my editorial assessment, of course. But every time I look at him, every time I look at him, I just picture that Jeff Galuli guy that was Tanya Harding's sort of sidekick in the kneecapping of Nancy Kerrigan. Uh, yeah. He just kind of has that vibe, but of course he hadn't been convicted of anything. I mean, he hasn't been convicted of any sort of a crime, so it seems a little. It seems a little odd and quite possibly unprecedented that they would say that they're not going to seat this guy that he picked to be the senator just because just because the guy kind of was picked by somebody who may or may not at some point in the future maybe be convicted of something. Yeah, and um, again, the, the, one of the key points here is this is a, uh, a choice of someone who is uh, seems to be squeaky clean, uh, frankly. And that uh, is going to give a little bit of nervousness, no doubt, to some of the Democrats. But um, the Constitution, uh, Article 1, Section 5, makes it very clear that each House of the Congress will determine the qualifications of its members. And that means we could very well have some sort of showdown vote on uh, Roland Burris uh, next week. But, you know... Uh, a week is a lifetime in uh, politics. Can I tell you things? Here's things that I love. I love showdowns. I love confrontations. I love uh, conflagrations. I love I love constitutional crises. I love it anytime we're in uncharted waters. I love anytime anytime that Jeffrey Tubin gets on CNN and says, "Well, Anderson, this is really unprecedented in American politics." I mean, that, that is a statement that'll just fill my heart with the purest of joys. You can't even imagine. It's, it's unprecedented in my reporting career. I know that, and I've been around a while. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's because, you know, that is one of the reasons why you are the gold standard, Bob Costantini. Thank you very much. All right. Big plans, uh, for, really your, big plans for your New Year's in terms of uh, your, your, I mean, what does is, what is Bob Costantini drink on New Year's Eve? What is your drink of choice? Um, whatever they're serving at this black tie wedding I have to go to tonight. You're going to a wedding on New Year's Eve? Yes. Uh, second cousin is... Um, Getting married tonight, and she decided uh, she and her spouse or her husband V uh, decided that um, they would have it on New Year's Eve, which is really fine by me. Um, and it sounds it sounds like it's going to be very interesting, and it's turned into a black tie affair. As we sort of wrap this up, since you do work for CNN, the uh, world's premier news gathering and disseminating organization, what is a second cousin, Bob? A second cousin is the uh, daughter of my uh, cousin. All right. Well, there you That's go. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> well, Happy New Year to you, sir, and we're off the next couple of days, so we will talk to you, uh, if not next week, then in the immediate future. So uh, best of Happy holidays to and, the, you. and to, to you and all the other Costantinis. So there you go. Bob Costantini, ladies and gentlemen, from Fantastic. I love that guy. And so forth. All right, 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. Let's get our other break out of the way here. We'll come back. Uh, we will talk to senior radio correspondent Ed McCarthy around the corner. And then coming up at noon, uh, we'll have the noon news hour. David Walker, Portland pop culture analyst, joining us later on. Mr. Skin will do Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in 2008. Uh, we'll do a New Year's Eve high concept topic. And we'll have our final installment of Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas. Stay there. We're back after this on the Rick Emerson Show, New Year's Eve.
the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up here in uh, just a skosh, as our Asian friends say. Uh, we'll talk to uh, David Walker, pop culture analyst, who will be uh, filling in for the laid off. Tim Riley today. Later on, we'll do the top five. Sarah Dillon's top five songs uh, released in 2008. Let's see what else. Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas. And I just received a package from... Wait. I have a large package from... Gothic Beauty Magazine. So, and it's it's like way too big to be this month's issue. So I have no idea what it is. So we'll uh, we'll find out what I've received from the hot babes at Gothic Beauty. That's huge. Maybe it's a new calendar. Right. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I bet you're right. All right, fantastic. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South. CNN Radio correspondent and mellow man about town, Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Rick. Happy New Year. To you as well, my friend. Uh, you're going to be uh, celebrating in fine style tonight. What goes on at the McCarthy household in New Year's Eve? Uh, probably sleeping because I'll be in early here tomorrow morning. Are you doing the, the New Year's Eve like wrap-up or the uh, you know like the New Year's morning, like the early shift or something? Yeah, t- tomorrow will be uh, the fairly early shift, uh, yeah, about the uh, 7 o'clock Eastern shift, which isn't too bad. Yeah, actually. i got to tell you, it's probably too late to do this as any sort of a sidebar piece, but Sarah and I were talking at the beginning of the show today that I would say, I mean, you know, there's some sort of, you know, like bars or having events or whatever. There's, you know, there's like concerts or shows or, you know, so so forth. But just in terms of just regular folks, everybody I kind of just know in my personal life, every single person I have talked to about New Year's Eve, they've all said some variation on the following phrase. They said, well, yeah, we're not really going to be doing anything this year. We're just kind of sit around and have uh, have a few drinks and watch TV and do whatever. There, I don't know whether it's, fatigue from the election or the economy or some combination of all of the various factors for this year or whether there's just or whether there's just a like a low grade fear and anxiety kind of floating through everybody but people seem to be very very not into new years this year the way they typically are no i don't know you know i, I think maybe over the years people get fed up with it because it's, it's kind of known as amateur night you know when you get uh, some of these guys out that uh you know, or not supposed to be on the road, and you know, if you can party and have a good time and not kill anybody, that's uh, that's really a good thing. Now, see, here, it's weird. I didn't interrupt you at this point, but here, that's a weird thing that you just said, amateur night, because Sarah used that phrase earlier on today. We were yeah, talking it's amateur night. Yeah. Well, okay. Two so, great minds think alike. So what? But so what do you mean when you say that? Though? It means all the idiots who you know who like don't go out all year, just save up for tonight, and they go out their beaded necklaces and get completely <laughs> sloppy drunk and like you know have sex in the corner of bars, and they're just and driving drunk and stuff. It's just people that you don't want to be around. No, you don't. I mean, guys that don't even know they're on the road. That's the problem when they're driving. That's scary. Some oddly specific uh, examples that you use, by the way. Oh, you so. know I've had many great New Year's. <laughs> that is true. All right. Well, you know what? I'll be at home with the door locked, being antisocial, as is my norm at McCarthy. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can still uh, put on uh, the tube and watch uh, some of the uh, shows going on and, you know, the New Year's stuff. You know, they have this thing in Atlanta, which is really outrageous. Uh, you know, these are these ripoffs of Times Square. They have a peach that comes down in Atlanta. They have it at Underground Atlanta. And you want to talk about amateur nights, some of the idiots that show up for that. You know, just... I, by the way, and it's just because, because I'm, uh, you know, because I'm uh, sort of a lifeless nerd who spent most of his uh, most of his childhood locked in my room with a series of books that I was reading and avoiding human contact. Every time I see that thing in Atlanta where they drop the peach, I just expect a giant centipede to come out of the top of it and start <laughs> screaming at the fire department official. Where's place where they drop the acorn. They have an acorn that they dropped. I don't know. I'm I, not sure where it is. I'll have to research i got to tell you, when I was living in Washington State, there was, in fact, and I'm not making this up, serious discussion in the town of Pullman, Washington, about having
having a giant lentil drop on the city hall. So, there you go. So, I you like know, it. It's, you know, culture isn't just a thing that belongs to the South, Ed McCarthy. It certainly does. So, as we as we kind of, kind of wrap this up, I mean, I hate to end everything in sort of a buzzkill note, but I'm, I think we all kind of knew in our hearts this was going to be the case. But I guess this new reporter saying that the... Uh, that the holiday, like the shopping season for for Christmas, it wasn't wasn't a flat out bust, but I mean it was certainly it's it was pretty bad underperformed. Yeah, say. definitely underperforming. That, that's the kind way of saying it. Yeah. You sound like a professional retailer there. Well, I'm doing my best. But anyway, basically, you know, they had the heavy discounting and uh, adverse pre-holiday weather, as they like to say, that uh, produced the weakest holiday season since around 1970. So they're really crying the blues and. A lot of stores are crying the blues because a lot of them were forced to close. Mm. So it's not not really been a good year, and uh, let's hope we can do better in the new year. What do you say? As uh, as Colonel Potter would say on Mash, may she be a damn sight better than the old one, and may we all be home before she's through. Right, there. there you are. All right, my friend. Well, happy New Year to you and all of the McCarthys and everyone at CNN. You and the family and everybody. Talk to you soon, sir. Bye Thank now. You. All right, there you go, Ed McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic, wonderful. And so forth. All right. Ooh. Beaded necklaces and sex in the corners. <laughs> Seriously, it's gross. It's like all the people that you try to avoid who like, who are, I'm sorry, like the Greek cuisine crowd, except they're everywhere, multiplied mm-hmm. by a million, and they're all over the city. Well, I've been very uh, careful about this. Uh, do you remember, I'll be very vague, and you, Sarah, will know what I'm talking about. Everybody in the audience will kind of, you'll, they'll get the gist without me having to be overly specific. There's somebody that you and I used to encounter every now and again, uh, sir, who was, um, he was, a, he was a listener to the program, good guy, nice guy, seemed relatively harmless, but he was, um, no, 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 he, he was, he always had the shirt unbuttoned, hair kind of slicked back, was like kind of really, really nervously chewing on gum, like a thousand miles an hour, had some a lot of kind of gaudy jewelry. Seemed to always have a weird sort of sh- glistening sheen on him, and would often come by and bring us like kind of like he'd bring us a CD or he'd bring us like small gifts that he got for us. I mean, totally nice guy, but he did look he did look like he ought to be sort of sitting like in a booth at one of those at, at like the Greek place with his arm outstretched and sort of chomping his gum really loudly and talking okay, I about. Who you're I mean, about. you know, you know what I mean, and just sort of a That's wash. Not necessarily and, a bad person. A wash in some sort of like a you know like you know, I'm wearing this scent. It's called sex orchid. You know, he's like one of those guys. And so when you talk about beaded necklaces, sex in the corners, and New Year's Eve being amateur night, I picture whole bars full of guys like that. And then a bunch of like skeezy girls. No, uh, it's hell. And girls are all like sluttily dressed, and because they're all like desperately trying to find some douchebag to make out with at midnight. It's just, it's so gross. I can, yeah. Quick, find me my midnight douchebag. All right, and they've all got. And here's the thing about those girls, they've all got those. And these are all over in Utah too, for some reason. They've all got those shoes. they go down to just like the most razor sharp point you've ever seen in your life. Like they're just about to beam themselves to the magic kingdom. Uh, so and so often going to be like I can just picture a sea of tube tops and like little mini skirts. All right. Well, it is the Rick Everson radio. Which I'm kind of well. That's why I'm kind of excited about going on the barfly thing because you know you always end up at random bars. So right. I know it's just going to be. A little nutty. Well, so it's, you know what it is? It's sort of like, uh, it's like taking the tram through, you know, it's like taking, getting on that, that Autopia tram or whatever at Disneyland or like, or going on that, 
You know, it's like it's like when you get on that little track tour at the zoo, and it just takes you like, you know, here are the polar bears. Mm-hmm. Here's the, uh, you know, here's the reptile cage. Well, knowing my luck, I'm going to end up at Greek cuisine at midnight, yeah. <laughs> since I've been talking about. Uh, so, yeah, Laura and I are going to be going out to dinner uh, at one of our favorite places, and then I think we're probably going to swing by the horse brass, because I know Aaron and the kind of the geek patrol, they're all going to be out there celebrating the last night of smoking and whatever. And even Aaron, who, first of all, Aaron, who, A, doesn't smoke. Hates and smoking. Hates smoking. Has asthma. And, and I was going to say, and whines like a small girl about his asthma anytime anybody lights a cigarette up within like 100 yards of him. So even he's going to be there tonight. And then we're going to stop by my father's place and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll breathe our last... Uh, Everyone go stuck, Rick. The last, last lung full of fetid, uh, sort of, uh, you know, like stale cigarette smoke. Last night place. I spent like two hours at the space room. Just breathing it in. Well, here's the thing I don't understand. Oh, and by the way, we should say that later on today, we are going to be talking to the owner of the horse brass. Uh, we're going to talk to the owner of the horse brass today because he's, I don't know if you saw his interview in the Tribune, but just, and I say, I mean this really in the best possible way, just what a bastard. Just, he was just such a dick about it because they were, I think most of the people who own bars and taverns are trying to, they're trying to at least kind of, you know, they kind of grit their teeth and smile and they go along because they don't want the man to start leaning on it. Because the thing is, if you flout the cigarette law... I think they can only fine you. They can fine you up to two hundred and fifty dollars a day, but I think only, only two thousand dollars a month. Only two thousand dollars a month if you violate this the, the cigarette law. But I think we all know that everybody here lives in fear of the OLCC. And if the government sees you just flagrantly disobeying one of their laws, they will find another way to f you. They always do, uh, because the government doesn't brook any of that. What do you call it? That independent thought. So if you decide to you know to start coloring outside the lines, they're going to find a way to screw you, and they'll do it through the liquor license. I'm not going to say the name of the bar, but I know a bar that's uh, already raised two thousand. Dollars um, for this first month, really? So that people can smoke. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, if I was independently wealthy, I would just post. I, if I was some more above a guy, I would just create a trust fund right now uh, to cover the costs and fines of anybody who felt like they wanted to keep smoking. I mean, I'd do it today. If I had the money, I'd do it in a heartbeat. So, anyway, all right. It is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let us welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Yeah, there we go. From the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Joining us once again, Portland pop culture analyst David Walker. Hello, sir. Hello, good afternoon. How are you today? Hi, David Walker. Sarah X. Dillon, how are you? Doing well. I saw David at the uh, Barfly Christmas party the other day. Yeah, and I I was there for about, what, ten minutes maybe? Yeah, you were in and out. You kind of scooted out there. That's right, because you know what? Every night is amateur night for me. I, I, I view everybody as, as amateurs when it comes to not knowing how to conduct themselves in public when they've been drinking too much. Now, you know, you were here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and it went swimmingly, uh, by the way. And I and I don't mean that in an Eddie Haskell kind of way. So we we felt that it was appropriate to sort of uh, you know bring you back and have you sort of recap the year with us. But you were noting that uh, you know that like many other people on this program, you don't necessarily mesh well with uh, with other folks. Sometimes you occasionally you're a man alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm the, I'm the lone man walking. You're a yes. self-contained unit. That's right. As, as much as one human being can be, obviously. And I'm not like socially um, incompetent or anything like that. But I do have one of my problems is I, I tend to tell people exactly what I think, no matter what. Do you do this after you've been drinking, or after they've been drinking, or quite possibly both? Both. And I don't drink anymore. I don't drink anymore. Which is once you stop drinking altogether, that's when every night becomes amateur night. <laughs> yes, welcome to yes. my welcome to my world, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you guys are talking about why you don't go out on New Year's Eve, it's why I don't go out on Thursdays or Fridays mm-hmm. or Saturdays or you know once in a while I'll go out. And I went out you know when I saw Sarah the other night and walked through the door and went, yep, nope, this isn't going to work. <laughs> this is because you saw me. No, no, no. Oh, Actually, yeah. I, I was hoping I would see you before I became so overwhelmed by my loathing. 
disdain is the word <laughs> that I prefer more. And so I saw you, said hello, you know, saw Jen, but couldn't even make it to say hi to Jen Lane from Barfly. Yeah, she was kind of up in her own, like, VIP section, like, uh, DJing and stuff. You couldn't get to her. Yep, and then it just it hit me like a ton of bricks, and it was like, oh, hey, this is why I don't go out there. That's why I never leave the house. Yes. I'm going to go back home right now. Exactly. So my uh, my wife, when she was, my wife went to South America for a couple of weeks, and as the lead up to that, she quit drinking because she was having to take all of this, yeah, you know, she had to like, take all these like malaria pills and yeah. dengue fever, and they they they'll work a number on your system. Yeah. yeah, and they were and they were just like seriously like don't f with this stuff like yeah. like don't drink, uh, don't drink, don't smoke, go to bed, get lots of rest, drink lots of fluid, and you know make sure you take these in exactly the right order or it's you're gonna be dead. Yeah, you know, and you're gonna be like that guy coming back in the crate in arachnophobia that's all desiccated. Oh. So, so she couldn't drink at all uh, for like two or three. My wife drinks a lot, but I mean, but she's a. Um, Searching for the right word. Searching. She knows how to handle herself. That's what I'm saying right there. I would say that she's, uh, I was going to say steady drinker, but that sounds bad too. But I'm just saying, you know, she, you know. She's a high tolerance? She, she's getting better by the moment. (laughs) Um, but you know, but my wife does enjoy, uh, she does enjoy a libation now and again. She is, uh, I would say something more than just a social drinker. Stop trying to like sugarcoat it now when you're just like, there she was yelling at the TV during election. You're like drinking an entire bottle of wine. My wife drinks a lot. And so she couldn't (laughs) drink at all for two weeks though while she's taking all this medication. And we had, we did end up having by coincidence, these like social, uh, uh, you know, engagements we had to go to. And we're going there, and you know, and, and, and just I, I don't drink because that kind of ends badly for me. And so, uh, but this was the rare occasion where she and I were going to a couple of parties where everybody was plastered except for me, and then except for her. Mm-hmm. And she kind of looked over at me at one point. It was sort of like in They Live, uh, when you know, when when Piper <laughs> they take the glasses off for the first time. Yeah. yeah, when Piper finally gets Keith David to put on the glasses, yeah. and he looks around and he just like sees the UFO going overhead, trailing the thing. He's like, marry and reproduce or whatever. Yeah. My wife kind of looked at me. She goes, "All right, a minute. Is this what parties are like for you every time we have to go? These people are all loud, and everyone here is an a hole." God damn, these people are loud and horrible. That's how I feel when I bartend, and like my, I love my friends. Exactly. <laughs> like they'll come in. You know, I'm just just drinking water all night and totally sober, and then by the time one o'clock rolls uh-huh. around, I'm like, I do not even want to know myself. Yeah. Like this is, you know, who I associate with, and they all, you know, I usually think that they're all normal. Yeah, welcome to my hell. So she got a little yeah. kind of glimpse into what it's like for me, and that's kind of what it's like for me too. So I I I, I try to ration it out, and uh, yeah, it's it, but it's difficult. Yeah. It's and it's it's like having a moment of clarity, but every time you say foot out the door. <laughs> It's it's difficult. Uh, all right, so we will. Uh, we've got some more calls coming in. We'll do uh, the top five and whatnot later. We will read. We'll go through this. Uh, we'll go through this list of teachers who have had their licenses revoked in Multnomah County, uh, along with uh, really what we have to call just fascinating details. So I want to thank listener Jeff for passing this my way. Uh, in the meantime, in between time, though, ladies and gentlemen, with the news, David Walker. I'll start off with a little something I like to call "Welcome to America" or "Only in America." It seems that uh, Bristol Palin, the daughter of former vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin, has had her baby boy, Trip. Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that if she ever has a daughter, they'll name her something like Trixie or just plain Trick. I don't know. But so Trip Palin, soon to be Trip Palin Johnston, if Levi ever actually gets off his ass and marries Bristol like he's supposed to, um, was born uh, just a few days ago. And People Magazine, this is what makes me proud to be an American. My heart is swelling with pride. People Magazine is pay- paying Bristol Palin $300,000 for oh, a picture. Are you effing kidding me? I am not effing kidding you. $300,000. I'll tell you what. Now, 
any listener out there, any female listener out there who is willing to get with me, have a kid, and then live a life so debaucherous that someone's willing to pay me just $300 for a kid, I'd be happy. I mean, you, you do sort of... Like, her novelty's worn off. That, see, that's my exactly. thing. Is that when people talk care. about it, why is the print media having such trouble with their cash flow? This is why. Yes, $300,000 for a picture of... And I'll tell you what. We could just go down the street and grab a kid and take a picture of it, and no one would know the difference because no. they all look the same. That's, they all look like I Winston mean, Churchill. That, that's, it's, that's not a racist thing to say when you say all babies look the same <laughs> because they do. Did you say they, they all look like Winston Churchill? <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> babies all look like Winston Churchill. I, I would have to agree with that. So there we go. $300,000. People Magazine has paid Bristol Palin for the uh, the first pictures of Baby Trip. Here's a couple of predictions I'm going to make right now. First of all, uh, I think we all know that that guy is never going to marry her. Um, I mean, you think? I, 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 but I remember, but we, I remember seeing. I they're not even together anymore. But that, well, you know, but the, the, the word is, and the Inquirer said this, and this is one of those things that Dorothy Carcassari from the Inquirer told us, where it wasn't like sources report or there was speculation like that, like the National Inquirer, which, as I am fond of saying, is actually the nation's most reliable newspaper in many ways. They flat out said that as soon as Sarah Palin found out Bristol Payne was pregnant, she kicked her out and she had to go live with an aunt who was 30 miles away. And then she only brought her back for the campaign. But I think we all, since this is sort of, you know, since it's New Year's Eve, we're kind of doing this 2008 wrap-up. I mean, this, I guess I can, we can, I guess we can Sarah go back. Sarah Palin was a big chunk of that. Some of the highlights of this year. But I remember sitting there and watching Sarah Palin's speech, and they would occasionally cut to, to what's his guts, to Levi sitting up there in the, the, the balcony box. And just the look of terror on that kid's face, the whole, like, oh, God. I had that look once. Really? Once in my life, the condom broke, and I had that look for about three or four days as we, we sweated it out, wondering, yeah. and me thinking, okay, I'm going to have to kill myself. <laughs> That's it. I will just, there's no options. I'm not having, because, you know, there are people you'll have sex with, but they're not necessarily people you want to father a child with. Sure. You know, and, uh Yeah. So maybe Levi's out of the. And you were actually just wondering, like, what hotel room you would pick and what note you would leave that was appropriately pithy, but you know, hinted yeah. at your hinted at your your inner sorrow. Yeah, it, it would just say, uh, the the decision that led to this seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> I hope this is a better decision, and that would be it. That's fantastic. Um, so that so that guy is never going to marry her, except. Except here's the only case, uh, the only scenario in which he will marry her, and this this is my part of my other prediction. I predict, first of all, that somebody has already offered Sarah Palin a reality show, if not multiple reality shows, and she's probably turned them all down. Yes. Because the people around her who still have this like delusion that she'll be electable in 2012 are kind of whispering in her, like, no. I just had to laugh. I'm sorry. You, but so I mean, and then don't get me wrong. She's not even going to run in 2012. I mean, at some point, oh, like no. in like around 2010... Some heavy hitter from the Republican, like they're not gonna, they're gonna get rid of like the JV squad, and like some guy, some Karl Rove guy, is gonna sort of sweep into the room with the Emperor's music playing behind him, and he's gonna sit her, sit her down. And he's just gonna be like, go home and do whatever it is you do, but you are not. Remember that VH1 yeah. series you were offered? Take it. Yeah, yeah, you would. Like we are not gonna stand idly by and watch you destroy the remnants of the Republican Party. So get out. But. But at this point, though, I think she still sort of labors under this illusion that it's that she could be a viable candidate, and there's probably some sort of huckster types kind of whispering in her ear. They're like, "No, no, no you got to keep it together for 2012." So she is Sarah Palin's probably turned down in a number of reality shows. I'll guarantee you, though, that at Bristol Palin, there's somebody, some People Magazine type, who has already gotten to her, and they're going to offer her and that Levi guy a reality show, and it's going to be like you know profiling the Palins or whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, and, and and I will be the first person to not watch that show. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, that whole Palin, she just, uh, 
I never thought it was possible for a woman to turn me off from women so much. <laughs> but but I mean I'm I'm just now getting my sex drive back. So you were not on the uh, the Sarah Palin is hot bandwagon. I was on that bandwagon until she opened her mouth. And then I, the only thing that I could think was, jeez, huh, uh. <laughs> she she terrified me. And 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 the, and the problem is, is that, you know, there's something there's there's a, 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 an attractive woman who is intelligent, is really sexy. Right. But then an attractive woman who tries to be intelligent but is really not that bright is a really repulsive. No, no, no. I could see that. Okay, see, no, no, no. That's a, that, that, is an, that is what kind of made her ugly. That's a really, really good observation there. I'm not, I don't necessarily know. I don't, I'm not saying it's necessarily true for everybody, but I could absolutely see where you're coming from. Because I, like, I got this whole thing for, uh, for trashy girls. Oh, and, so, yeah, so do I. And so that was, I think, part of my attraction to Sarah Palin. Was she was just such a hillbilly. I mean, you could just, you could just smell the hick, like, just coming off her in waves. But I see your point about, you know, hot women are sexy. Dumb, trashy girls are sexy in their own sort of bowling alley kind of way. But Sarah Palin, this sort of feigned intelligence yeah. is... And the thing is, it's not just unsexy, it's sort of angering. Yeah. Like yeah. when the, the sort of... The, the, someone's sort of trying to pass themselves off as like a real Mensa. Like, that's a thing where you just... <laughs> that's like where Mr. Hand becomes Mr. Fist. I can see that. All well, right. it's, it's like telling a lie enough times that you begin to believe it. Right. And it's, there's moments where you were just watching her thinking, she really believes that she's... Right. smart right which is just and then it's it's just sad and pathetic and it's angry and it's just it's every negative emotion that you could imagine just surging through your body and then how can you you know it's it then it's it then, then it's then, just hate sex david yeah exactly then and i'm and and that my new year's resolution 2009 no more hate sex my uh my, okay and I, my friend brandon he was the first person to use this term i'm sure it's widespread my friend brandon was the first person to uh to say this to me he goes yeah you know that girl uh Whatever that girl Joe Beth that I was with him, like, yeah, what what about her? He's like, boy, you know, I just, uh, boy, I just, I just, I just really hate her, you know. And I said, yeah, but I just saw you with her like the other night. And he goes, oh yeah, but that was just for a grudge f. <laughs> and I was hearing that phrase, I was like, grudge f. And that's what Hunter Thompson would call a word jewel. That yeah. immediately went into the file in my head of things I got to start saying more often. Yeah, I've, I've. Not only have I said it, but I, I hate to admit here on air I've done it too. So uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. We're all look, we're all men here, and Sarah. <laughs> uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, sir, madam, as the case may be. But I do have to add, you are a man who shaved Richie's armpit. Yes, I am. Thank you so much for reminding everybody of that. I, I'm the guy that did that, by the way, too. Sorry. Well, thank you for donating to a you're the Oh, you're the guy that. Oh, this is okay. So yeah, for the KUFO Rockathon. Somebody, and I'm thinking it's this guy, kicked in 75 bucks, but I had to shave. But it was the night before Richie's drag show, and so I had to shave his armpits. <laughs> and there are so many layers of horror to that you can't even begin to imagine. Because first, and I will just tell this since we are, see, I can get away with just sort of rehashing like stories over and over again today because it is, because I can, but I can frame it as a look, a retrospective of 2008. Um, so Richie was performing the next night, Saturday, at North Bank as his, you know, female persona, Rochelle, and whatever. So he hadn't shaved his armpits, though, and he's going to be wearing this sort of, like, dress that is very revealing. And so, there's, and, and how much did you kick in, sir? $75. $75? This guy kicked in $75 for me to shave Richie's armpits. So they come in, and first of all, the thing that really turned my stomach is when they started laying newspaper down on the floor. <laughs> because, let me tell you, there's nothing good that requires newspaper being put down on the floor. It's either going to be something revolting or exhausting. So it's either going to be like uh, chain puking or painting a room. And so they lay down newspaper on the floor. Richie comes in. He takes off his shirt, and so he's 
you know, he's like naked from the waist up. He hands me the Norelco, like like the three-head Norelco razor. And he lifts up and he goes, all right, you need to shave under here. It, the hair is kind of thick in some places, so you'll need to use that beard trimmer. And? Where you push the button and the, the thing kind of flips up. And I, I look underneath and his armpits have what appear to be, it was like he had been bitten by some sort of perspiration vampire. <laughs> There, these no, two no, these two, yeah, these two holes right next to each other about like the circumference of like a pencil eraser. Okay. And I was, you know, it really was like you would take in like a small sort of hole punch and go like into his armpit twice. And I said, uh, Richard, what, what's up with these scabs in your armpit, man? That's gross. And this is, this is no words for how this, and I apologize that this is happening in the lunch hour. And, sir, that I further apologize that you called up and now I'm taking like an hour to get this content of your call, which I'm sure will be fascinating, but... Richie reveals that he gets, uh, like, skin tags, you know, or whatever, like little, like, wart kind of thing, like, a little, as he put it, a little flap of skin. So kind of like a wart, but not like... Okay, let's stop. You know what I mean? But, like, he gets, okay, like, a piece of skin. Little, yeah, piece yeah. Of, little piece of extra skin. And I said, I said, okay, so you get little pieces of it. And he goes, well, you know, I don't want anybody to see that when I have my dress on. And I said, and? So, so I just got, I just got a pair of scissors and cut them off. Yeah, a pair of dull scissors. I was angry up until about ten seconds ago. A pair so, of dull scissors just back there in the studio, and this cutting is, away at his own body. And this is when I'm six inches away from him, shirtless with a razor, realizing I still have yet to actually shave his armpits. Jesus! So thanks for making that an indelible part of my 2008 memory book, sir. That's uh, that's great. How can I help you today? Um, I was actually calling. I, I do carpets for a living, and I know of a bar who is getting through a loophole with this whole smoking ban. Mm-hmm. They're charging everyone a dollar to become a lifetime membership of their cigar bar slot, you know, cigar bar. Well, see, and, and I am huh. surprised that they haven't done this already because that's how they do it in Utah. I was telling Sarah before the, the show that it's, it's it's just surreal to me that you can actually smoke openly in a bar in you know anywhere in Utah, but you can't you know do it in Portland after after tomorrow. Um, and so that is how Utah gets away with it. And it's how they always have because the state tried to regulate. The state does in Utah regulate drinking and smoking really heavily, and so that the way that that Utah got around this, I don't know if it's the whole state, but I know it's Salt Lake City. If you live in Salt Lake, the way that they've gotten around this is that every bar is a private club, and you got to pay a membership of like five bucks. But the deal is that membership is usually good at any other bar in town, but you got to renew it like every month and a half. So about every six weeks, you basically have to pay a five dollar fee to become a member of this bar which is a private club and if some like if you have a friend visiting from out of town uh you i you you know i think each member gets to bring in one guest or something once a month or whatever but the point is you basically got to pay a surcharge to go into a bar which makes it a private organization which means that they can do whatever they want here's why i don't think that'll work here though because I mean, I would like it if it did, but I know that the smoking ban affects even fraternal organizations like the Moose Lodge and the Knights of Columbus, and those are private clubs. So I, much as I'd like to see it work, i got to think that if they can't do it at the Moose Lodge, they're not going to be able to do it at, like, you know, the triple nickel. Or just an idea. <laughs> so look at the sad <laughs> well, What's, the bar, what's, about, what's the bar you're talking about, sir? Uh, I'm not saying. <laughs> um because he, he's he's just gonna try it and see what happens. Will you tell it. Richie off the air? Yeah. Will you tell Richie off the air so we can sort, so we can check it out? Yeah. All right. Happy New Year, uh, New Year to Happy, you, sir. Happy New Year to you guys. I guess there's that one place, uh, Greater Trump, that's yeah. on Hawthorne. Right. That's, I guess that's gonna stay a smoking. That's the cigar bar next to the Baghdad. Yeah, but I guess you can because a lot of like at El Gaucho, you can't smoke cigarettes in there. But I guess at Greater Trump's, they are going to allow you to. 
Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, gotcha. Yeah, people are just puffing up a storm, but you cannot smoke a cigarette. Wait, but so why? But why can you smoke at a cigar bar? Like, why can't you have? I mean, because that's cool. That doesn't make know. any sense. I guess I'm trying to find just a logic all these, in this you know, is just old, like crotchety old men, you know, smoking their hundred dollar cigars. This is like being stuck in some legal Escher painting. It just doesn't make any sense at all. All right. Well, <clears throat> speaking of the cigarette ban, and uh, this is in local news, uh, Governor Ted Kulongowski wants to ban cigarette machines. Curse um, him. Yeah. You know, apparently he uh, woke up this morning and realized in the 21st century that it uh, cigarette machines encourage minors to buy cigarettes. I don't know if he just figured this out or it's been a couple weeks coming. I mean, when I was a kid and you want to get cigarettes, no one ever thought to go to a cigarette machine because that little warning sticker that says, you know, sale to minors forbidden, and it, it worked, scared us away all the time. It worked so well that they decided to use it on porn sites now. Yes. Yeah, I'm 18, sure. Exactly. Yeah, I never used a cigarette machine when I was younger. My friend Kim would just steal them. Steal them. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? She would steal cigarettes? Oh, no, yeah, we'd steal cigarettes. Not we. She. She. Would steal cigarettes. You. You would never steal. I, I, mean, I can't imagine. Look at that I'm face. not. No, I'm, I, I was too scared to, but she had balls of steel, this girl. She and would steal them out of machines or from no, where? No, no, what we'd do is we'd go to 7-Eleven. She actually ended up getting arrested eventually. But they used to have those display cases where they would have, like, packs of three cigarettes, you know, like, sitting out on these, like, display cases out in um, out of the cash, cash register. So we'd ask her something behind, and when the cash, uh, the cashier would turn around... We'd take three of them because that was when we'd all wear hoodies and stick them in our pockets. So like the magician's misdirection. Mm-hmm. Never got it. So like we got away with this for like probably two years until one day we went to the wrong place and there were pictures of um they had pictures of Kim's face with <laughs> cameras and the cops came. That is fantastic. But then also in high school at the Fred Meyer in Bremerton, my friend Megan um used to take them all the time because they were just in an aisle, just randomly like between like. Like home that decor. Was the, that was the old days, yeah, back before they kept them behind cases under yeah. lock and key. Yeah, no case, and so you could just go there and just, like, shove some in your pockets and walk out. Well, and slowly but surely, everything good that you want to buy at the store is being moved behind the counter. Or uh, they just get rid of it altogether. Or they get rid of it altogether, Sudo yeah. Fedrin. Yeah. yeah, Hustler. Yeah, Hustler. Mm-hmm. Do they not sell Hustler anymore? Um, I mean, I don't even know where. I remember there was that whole thing about Seven Eleven having to get rid of their porn magazines. I, I'm sure, I mean, you can still buy it, I'm sure, but I don't know where you would go, like, um... Some maggots, one like like a riches or something like that. Something like that. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the last time I, I, I tried to buy some razor blades the other day, and I know that at the supermarket where oh, I yeah. go, they've moved all the razor blades behind the counter. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they're not just like locked up. I mean, they are because I think that was the there was the fir- they were freely available. You could just go pick them up and buy them. Then they did this thing of like keeping them in the aisles. But it was just like jazz. They were in the aisles, but they were behind locked glass in the aisle. So, I mean, at least so you still had to get somebody to come, like, open the thing, but at least you could go there and browse and see what they had. And now you can't even do that. Now you go to the uh, razor blade, and there's just a whole thing saying, like, see customer service. And then you got to go up there, and you're always behind some guy who's trying to wire money to his deadbeat brother in Akron. It's so annoying when you're trying to uh, buy cigarettes, like, at um, Fred Meyer or something, and you have some, like, you know, crackhead in front of you is trying to turn in all their Powerball tickets. Totally. And it takes forever. It's, oh, it's just such a pain in the ass. Yeah, all right. So, they have with all sorts of stuff like that. They're slowly taking away our freedom. That's what I'm saying, David Walker. Down to right. God bless the USA. Well, you know, and the final My Father's Place note, so we were there last night, and, it, of course, that you know, that joint is just so, I mean, it's just got, you know what my, my father's place is? This is the best analogy I can come up with. Uh, I won't. I won't mention this other restaurant by name. Uh, they may, in fact, be one of our uh, one of our fine sponsors. So I'll err on the side of caution here. But 
Do you remember that restaurant on The Simpsons uh, where they went there and it was a restaurant with lots of kooky decorations on the wall? <laughs> and and Marge said, you know, an alligator with sunglasses. Now I've seen everything. And I mean, you know, they had like license plates on the wall and like a, like a huge troll doll that was mounted on the ceiling above your table. <laughs> That's crazy. That's craziness. It was out of control. And... You know, and it was like very much like a tchotchkes, flingers kind of a thing. My father's place is like a non-retarded version of that. It's like an organic, you know what I mean? It's like it's like an organic, natural evolution into that kind of place. But where all the stuff on the wall, you get the feeling that it actually has a reason for being up there. Like it did, it was put there for some purpose. Well, they have amazing newspaper clippings and everything on the wall. Totally, and it's like, but and they've just never taken it down or dusted it in any way. Well, it's, you get a sense that there's a real bit of history there versus you go into some of these prefabricated yeah. places that we're talking about, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, like someone thought, oh, this will be cool to put up. This will be, yeah. This um, will be kitschy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to my father's place where the sense very much that I have is that like that Christmas tree got put up about 14 years ago, and they were just too lazy to take it down, and then they were like, F it, and they left it there. Yeah. And just, I mean, at one point, I was there a few weeks ago, and I'm looking at the ceiling, and I couldn't quite figure out what kind of decorations they were hanging for the ceiling, and then I realized they were just big dust stalactites. That's why I can't I can't eat there, ever, because I've seen a chunk of the ceiling fall off next to someone's plate before. I, it were, it, I, I ate there once, and that was enough. I eat there constantly. It killed my I ate there last there. night, by the way, so I eat there once a week. doesn't matter. Um, but Do you think you still will? Well, Joni and I were talking about, like, like what... And I, I hate to even say this because it sounds like I'm writing them off and I don't because I do. I really honestly, I love that place with everything in me. But it almost is like, what's the point? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, because as much as I love it, it is bar food. Yeah. It's bar coffee. Uh, and, and, you know, the place kind of has that funk coming off of it, you know, but that I guess terrible. Yeah, but I mean, the, but the upside <laughs> of that is like, again, Joni can go there and smoke. And I, and I will tell you, for anybody who's seen any of, you know, if you ever saw uh, Bigger Than Jesus or Remote Control or... If you've seen any of the little documentaries we filmed or the, the music stuff we've done, almost all of that stuff was written and worked on at my father's place. I mean, that was the, because that was our writing. You know, Hank, we'd go there, we'd meet, we'd eat, and then we, you know, she would smoke and I'd drink coffee and we'd be there till 1 a.m. Right, you're working on a script or whatever. So almost anything you've seen uh, that has the imprimatur of Joni or myself or both of us on it was conceived and largely created at my father's place. So... But the reason was because then she wouldn't have to walk outside every 10 minutes to smoke. She could just smoke there. And so then it kind of became kind of our, you know, whatever, our kind of hangout in their place. And now you sort of wonder, it'll be okay, Rick. I mean, is it, you it know, will. trust me. It almost seems like if we keep going now, it's just going to be for nostalgia. Like I'm trying to keep, trying to keep the relationship alive once the spark is gone. That's how I feel about, about the space room. You know, that's been like my favorite yeah. place ever. And I just don't see myself hanging out there as much anymore to right. the truth, because that's what was fun about it. It's like, I think you guys are, you're, you're, you're we're growing you're, up. Well, that's it. There's, 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 I, I sense the maturity level rising in the room, and that's good. But change is fine too, and you'll be okay. We don't like me. change. I know. Neither do I. But it's, it's, it's okay. You're yeah. gonna be all right. I feel that you're belittling our pain, David. No, no, I'm no, not I think at all. He's comforting I'm, us. I, 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 because I, I totally get where you guys are coming from. But yeah, I, I think I think you're going to be okay. It'll be it'll be a weird weird transition at first, and then you know a couple months down the road you'll just sort of be sitting around. And you'll, God, remember when we used to be able to smoke in here? And then it'll just be like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the good thing about my father's place and probably the horse price, it's not going to smell any different. It's just going to yeah, smell like it's going to take years. It smells worse. Like in Seattle, going to any place like Linda's or um, when I went to uh, Cha Cha Cha, it's 
stinks in there. It just smells like old cigarettes, and it'll never like go. Cancer and ass. <laughs> the but my final note here. Was like, you start smelling urine too. That's, well, that's really why the cigarettes no, don't either. It's a public service to cover the pee smell. I think smell. the cigarettes mask the pee smell because you start to notice that places smell like pee. My final observation, because you prompted this with the vending machine thing, is at my father's place, if you're going on the way to the bathroom, you're going past the bar, there's two things. There's that glass case that is full of mini bottles. I mean, like hundreds of mini bottles going back to however long ago, which is a great sort of collection because, like, who collects that? But right next to it is a vending machine that has the greatest combination of things. Half of it is cigarettes, and the other half is corn nuts. <laughs> I mean, and that's it, man. I mean, where else can you go? Do you find a vending machine of cigarettes and corn nuts? That's the Wickley's they have God cigarettes and damn it, candy. that's what this country is all about. And, and you know what I love most is to smell someone's breath after they've been drinking cheap beer, eating corn nuts, and smoking cigarettes. That's this is nothing quite like it. That's an aphrodisiac. So let's do these calls, then we'll take a break. I want to make people whole because it's uh, we're kind of I can do, we're already doing that thing where every story is going to take us about forty minutes to get through. <laughs> Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program on this New Year's Eve. Greetings. Yes, uh, another reference to The Simpsons. Um, there's an episode uh, where they're at a, another restaurant, but uh, one of the uh, other customers of the, of the restaurant's like, uh, yeah, I ordered a Z- Zima, not emphysema. <laughs> Zima, not emphysema. The, that's one of those uh, jokes that was waiting there to be excavated by somebody like that episode where Lisa says, um, Bart, uh, when Homer, the episode where Homer gets a crayon lodged in his brain and he turns smart, and and he's all stressed out because he's smart, and he asks Lisa how she relaxes, and she says, oh, I try a lot of things, chai tea, tai chi, and you kind of realize that's a perfect joke that was waiting there to be discovered, like Zima emphysema. So, excellent. Where are you going to uh, be uh, spending New Year's Eve, sir? Oh, not too sure yet. Uh, like, what you've been hearing is a lot of, uh, oh, just going to be sitting around. Drinking at the house, watching TV. All so right. well, uh, well. Let us know how everything goes. From yesterday, uh, from yesterday's show, all indications are that uh, Jamie Cooley's not too particular about how she spends, uh, you know, <laughs> she spends her evenings. So I'm just saying, if one needs company, Jamie storm, uh, storm and port, sir. What? Jamie Cooley's uh, the one to get a hold of. Uh, that, that was that's the indication. So cool. I'm just saying what she said yesterday. Sarah's giving me that look like I've gone over the line somehow. Uh, great um, show, guys. Thank you, sir. That's this I'm referenced. That's a callback, by the way. It is true. If you do she listen was, to the recap, she was she talking was about in, out. She was in the studio, and there was a guy who called up, and or some some guy had emailed or called up, and he made some reference about. He made we had made some reference about a sort of like dumb horny guys who were sort of like. I was talking about if you guys ever like a between girlfriends or in a dry spell or whatever. Guys get this fear in their head that like, oh God, what if I never get anybody to have sex with me again? Yeah, no, what if, I, I know that fear all what, too well. Oh, yeah. And I said that. I said, you know, guys are always afraid that they're never going to find anybody to sleep with them again. And Jamie, without missing a beat, Jamie said, they can always call me or Sarah. And that was, I'm just saying, that's what that was referenced to. So I don't even think I'm being a jerk. I was just riffing on something that Jamie Cooley said yesterday. Let's not get our panties in a wad. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Okay, I got an idea for you. I, I got it when I was listening to you do the the soundtracks for your life movie, your life story. Yes, sir. It, what movie would be your life story, and what character would you play in it? Like an existing movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like an existing movie that that just like really tells part of your life story. Give, give me an example, sir. Like, what would this be for you? How would you answer that question? For, for me, it would be Paint Your Wagons, and I would play the the role of partner. All right, David right. Walker, Night of the Living Dead. Eh, would you I be, thought about you'd that. be the girl eating her mother? No, no, I, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be the guy who gets shot at the end, the hero who who <laughs> who manages to save the day, but then gets blown away by the redneck sheriffs. That's me. All right, fair enough. Um, 
Now I don't know. If there I was don't an, know either. An existing movie. Now, are you? Is this more about the movie or the character? In other words, does the movie have to mirror your own experience in some kind of way, or is it really just about a character who you feel is a good stand-in for you, and that's the movie he happens to be in? Well, a, a, a character in a scenario that I mean, they both got to apply. Wow. And, I, think and I, I don't want an answer that. I want you to think about it and come back as a topic. Later on. All right. Well, I'll, I'll think on it. We'll, we'll revisit it later in the program. For you. Okay. I love you guys. All right. Well, we love you too. Thank you. All right. There you go. I think I would go with um, maybe Bridget Fonda's character in Singles. I was Janet. just, uh, you know, I was just going to say you'd be Bridget really? Fonda. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not not the not the needy part at the beginning, but when she okay. gains her independence <laughs> and she's like out painting the chair and doesn't you know give a crap about him anymore. Yeah. No, oh, that's uh, that. She would be the uh, you know the wash that man right out of her hair version of Bridget Fonda. For mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. That that's good. Cause okay. The, the first part. No, 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 no. You know, no, Bridget ha- Fonda hasn't made a movie in like a decade. And and you know what? That's okay. There you know. <laughs> I just don't know about you. I thought we had a connection. I like him. He's funny. Right. Take a break. We'll come back after this. More from David uh, Walker, pop culture analyst, filling in for laid off Tim Riley today. Later on, uh, we'll do the top five. Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in two thousand eight. Uh, we'll also have Joy of Christmas, Mr. Skin, and more of your phone calls. Stay there. Hey, man, pizza man, name fan with a fan as he wrestles the cat out of his hands. I don't understand. Mr. Fam was beaten with a fan. What is going on in this news story? Well, our shooting suspect is badly hurt after he knocked down the door. Well, the man in the bedroom is waiting, and his weapon of choice, an oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Well, the man in the bedroom is waiting, and his weapon of choice, an oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Mr. Fan was greeted by a man armed with an oscillating fan. He beats the suspect down the stairs with the oscillating fan. Fan like ham? Right. Okay. Armed with an oscillating fan. Tong fan. Okay. The victim of the fan attack. Back up for a second. An oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Okay. Mr. Tong fan. Ham with a P in front of it, which makes it a fan. An oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Okay. An oscillating stop, fan. Stop, stop, stop. Mr. Fan and Fan. Mr. Dong Fan. Okay. Fantastic. Don't you mean fantastic? Perhaps I do, Sarah. Perhaps I do. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Because I'm made out of fail, I did not pull this audio last night uh, off of CNN. I meant to. I, You know, have I already said this today? I probably have. I'm going to say it like a hundred more times. I'm really not one of those, I can't wait for the year to be over, guys. But God damn, I can't <laughs> wait for this year to be over. Third time you've said that. I think I, well, and I know I said it at least three times to people upstairs in the hallway. Where people come by, hey, big guy, plans for your new year? And, you know, the way we start talking, and I, and I just kept saying, like, I can't wait for this year to be done. And, I, and, I, and I'm not like... And I'm not like laboring under any illusion that somehow like things are going to be magically different. But I do believe that there is, I believe there is some, there is attitudinal and mental value in the reset. I think there is something to be said for that. Sort of the change of mental location or you know chronological location. I think that that is healthy in a way. So, um, what was my point? Blah blah blah. New Year's. Oh, anyway, so. The, the last, I don't know, the week or so or whatever it is, like I think the week before we went on vacation and then last Monday and this week, 
I'm not going to say the shows have been bad. I think the shows have been really good. But I think you and I, Sarah, would both agree that we've been sort of operating on not fumes exactly, but maybe about an eighth of a tank in many I think ways. Fumes. I'm just not. I'm just. I'm just not bringing my A game uh, in some ways. And here's well, an example. Because we, we've came up with this genius idea about having laid off Portland media people, and we still don't know what the hell we're going to do come New Year. Yes. So that's kind of why I've managed to forget that bit of anxiety. Thanks for putting it right no back in my brain. No um, So it's a good thing my shrink said not to come anymore because I was wasting my money. I'm totally. I'm going to see my shrink today. Well, how nice that you have one. She'll see you. That's great. Do you want want her phone number? No. No. I'll just be another waste of my cash because I'm wasting my money. How are you wasting? Have you tried hypnotherapy? No. I tried that one. It worked for about a week. For what? What did you get hypnotized oh, for? I, it was because I just am, I'm nuts. And you are no longer nuts. And and I knew I was nuts, but I, I figured you know well, traditional therapy wasn't going to work. So I figured maybe it's got to be something in my subconscious wow. because right. everything is in your subconscious. All right, we have to put a pin in this for just a second. Okay. okay. Take a couple calls here, and then we'll move on. But it, real quickly before we take this uh, call. Here's another indication that I'm sort of slipping. Uh, you know, the regular Rick, the Rick who kind of, you know, comes here prepared, uh, ready to uh, be tight, bright, and out of sight, as they used to say, would have brought this audio in. The audio sitting on my TiVo. All I had to do was get off, you know, my big snack whale's ass off the couch, plug my thumb drive in to the TiVo, and, and just pull the audio, and I didn't. So last night I was, was watching this thing about Blagojevich. It's just the greatest thing to ever happen. Uh, I mean, he really is like this sort of... But a Foucault Galuli, but like in a, in, a, in a political sense. But Joe Johns was doing this report on Anderson Cooper last night, and they were talking about this guy that he's nominated to become the senator and whatever, and how he might be already sort of like there might be kind of a black mark against his name because he's, you know, there was the guy picked by Blagojevich. And Joe Johns ends with the following phrase, and I actually went back and listened to it and wrote it down to make sure that I had it word for word. And he says, But Anderson, there is a theory that. Even this nomination will have a tough time getting off the ground because of the scandal currently enveloping Governor Blagojevich. Uh, One inside source saying to me that we believe that the people deserve a functioning government free of taint. (laughs) A functioning government free of taint. Doesn't everyone want to be free of taint? Everyone wants to be free of taint, Sarah. Uh, it's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CBS Radio, Portland Marketing Guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Hello, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am, uh, I'm fantastic. Yes. What's so happening at the, happening at Shea Reynolds this week? Uh, oh, well, <laughs> we've had our share of drama, but we, we shipped, uh, shipped our kids off to, uh, another location for a few days. Did you even slow down as you were driving by the airport, or was it just booted right out of the back seat? Somebody asked me that also. Yeah. Uh, we, I considered it, but then I realized that would be cruel. Uh-huh. So, they, how long are your, uh, lovely children, are they, how, how long are they elsewhere for? Till, till Saturday. Ah, so, I mean, so you're really like, this is sort of a live while you're alive, sleep when you're dead kind of a thing right now for you. This is like a second honeymoon. Yeah, it's, it's grown-up time at the Reynolds household. It really is. It really is. But I just wanted to call and wish you guys a happy new year. I'm, you know, not in this week, and it's kind of nice for me to unplug a little bit. And I know you were talking about how you wanted to see the year end, and, you know, I agree. I mean, there have been some some uh, some problems, but we had some really good times, too, which I just wanted to remind you about. Are we breaking about. up, Susan? No, we're not breaking up. Okay. 
No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> that sounds like um, one of those, well, it wasn't all bad. Remember how we used to laugh? No, but do you, do you remember, like, the, you know, the spam sculpting and the, the Emerson roast? Was and... the spam sculpting this year? I believe it was. Wow. I'm terrible at, see, that's the thing. I always think that stuff this year was 10 years ago and stuff that happened three years ago was current. That no. was So, I, you know, and I'm not, and of course, I'm not trying to say that the year was, I mean, the, the, largely, and I think I said this in one of my blog postings, largely 2008 was a, was a really fantastic year. We had the, as you said, we had the roast. We had, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that went really, really well. It's, I think it, we just, it, there was sort of what Art Bell would call the quickening as we, uh, as we ended 2008 with a series of uh, challenging and unfortunate events sort of stacking up. Oh, I agree. Uh, but I, I was thinking back about the 08, 08, 08, mm-hmm. uh, and what a, what a kind of a trip that was in our election coverage. So we did have uh, a few good things. And I, and I wanted to say that, you know, we have the best listeners. Is that leading up to a, an additional comment? Oh, no. I, I, for some reason, I thought we got disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> no, our, our listeners are really great, and uh, and so I just wanted to wish them all a happy New Year too. Well, uh, to you and yours, and to your uh, far-flung children, uh, <laughs> happy New Year from everybody here. We will uh, we will see you next week, Susan. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have fun. Be safe out there. All right, we'll talk to you next week, Susan Reynolds, right. ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year. There you go. All right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. David Walker filling in for the late off. Tim Riley. Hello, sir. Hello, how you doing? Bring news to the people. All right, well, I've got this this joy of Christmas right here. This is our last one of the year. Um, by the way, I should say that uh, I guess it's for the best that it happened while we were all gone last week, the uh, the Santa shooter in California, yeah. because that would have been a very awkward choice for us, deciding whether whether to discuss it or whether, you know. This... Oh, like the little girl wrote the letter about being molested? Yes, exactly like that. That, that was, was a different story. You know, it was really a mistake to have Byron read that story. You know, it seems obvious in retrospect that the molestation story should not have been read by Byron Beck, yeah. because it, well, that it just... Uh, Sensitivity's not his thing. It just it didn't it didn't really come out. I think with the sort of tone that one might wish to have when discussing sober, raping. <laughs> what? What? Huh? I didn't. You said that. Uh, anyway, but so last week this Christmas the Santa shooting happened, and I think we would have been forced to do it as a joy of Christmas because come on, it's a guy in a Santa suit who's opening fire on people. I mean, how can you not? But also, I, I think it was. Uh, Probably something that we would have crossed the line on rather soon. So I will say this. The best part of the entire story is how, as he was trying to make his getaway, he was doing it as the Santa suit was, quote, burning itself into his body. So the Santa suit was because he because he set himself on fire by accident. That was the, that was like the really that was the great. So it was like a joy of Christmas Darwin watch. That was that was like that glass half full of the story. Right. As he goes to the party and he starts, you know, getting his kill on in a Santa suit. And, um, you know, shooting all these people. But then he had this grand scheme that he was going to burn the house down at the end. And so it was that combination of smart and stupid where he had built some sort of homemade flamethrower but didn't really figure out how to use it exactly. And at one point was, like, starting to turn on the flamethrower and he walked by a huge display of Christmas candles. And it sort of kicked back on him and it set his Santa suit on fire. And so he had this whole fantastic night of, you know, killing and maiming planned. And instead... As Eddie, what did Eddie Gizzard say about uh, Hitler and Ava Braun? Let's spend our honeymoon on fire in a ditch. Well, he he like spent the end of the evening on fire in his car trying trying to figure out someone to help him, and instead the Santa suit was just fusing itself to his skin, uh, and so you know so that's how he was found. So f him. Uh, but that leads into 
another bizarre joy of Christmas uh, tale. A man in Destin. I have no idea where Destin is. The, the thing about these reports, they don't tell you the state, mm-hmm. and they just assume that we all know. But pff, come on, we don't really care about other things other than Portland. But apparently a man in Destin was arrested on Christmas Day for allegedly, and the key word here is allegedly, exposing himself to this family. Uh, it was on the afternoon of December 25th, which we all know was last week, Christmas Day. Um, and a family and a man, a wife, and their 11-year-old daughter were walking the dog along Harbor Boulevard in Destin when they encountered Roy Ronald Rowell Jr. Can you say that three times fast? Roy Ronald Rowell Jr., um, who walked past them. Um, the police came. <laughs> yes, I know. The police came and arrested him. Um and apparently, while the police were questioning him, Raoul continued to expose his genitals. It says right here. I like the uh, idea he continued to expose them. As, to, no, 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 wait, wait. As though it's an ongoing act that requires constant, you know. Well, you know, maybe it was an accident. I'm just going to take a moment here. As William S. Paley says in Good Night and Good Luck, let's step carefully through these next few moments. So you're saying that perhaps his uh, his member was inadvertently exposed. And he didn't realize it. It was like, oh, oh, is my face red? Hold on. Oh, no, wait, hold on. No, I can't see. The, oh, damn it, all the hell. Yeah. All right. Well, see, it says here, uh, the father noticed that Raoul's genitals were hanging out of a hole ripped out of the crotch of his jogging pants. I love the idea he noticed. Noticed seems to sort of understate the situation. Yeah. yeah Pardon okay. me, sir. I can't. I can't. Wait, isn't it kind of cold everywhere right now? Noticing is when you realize that somebody else has, like, the same kind of handbag that you do at the airport. Uh, this is more than noticing, I would think. Yeah, and especially, well, I don't know where Destin is, but I know that if it were Portland, the weather was anything like Portland, you would notice if your genitals had flopped out of a hole. I think so. I think it would be cold. You, I think it would be. Like it's cold everywhere. I can't even picture a place where it's warmer. And nature would nature would apprise you of that fact. All right, now I have to find this Destin. Do we have a second? Do we have a a second half of Joy of Christmas, or is it just the one? No, it's just the one. But but there is a great. Very similar story locally, right here in Gresham. Well, let's, should we close out the Joy of Christmas? Now, we will keep looking throughout the day for additional yes, Joy of I Christmas find, stories. I'll make a promise right now. We'll find another it's one. our last installment, so there you should go. Should I not close it out yet? Let's close it out for now. We'll, you know, just so we can use the sounder. Because I like it, because we won't get to play the sounder until next, you know, until next next year. So, ladies and gentlemen, for now at least, there is your joy of Christmas for uh, today. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Once again, David Walker. All right. So here in Gresham, which is the lovely town right next to Portland, where culture goes not necessarily to die, but to you know, lapse into a coma for a little while. Um, an 88-year-old woman took matters into her own hands when a man broke into her house this past Tuesday morning. Uh, the elderly woman who is not named in this story, um, well, this is, this, just, this is the most incredible story I've ever read. A man walked into her Gresham home naked. He walked through a sliding door. I'm assuming he must have slid the door open and not, like, phased through it, like, in some sort of, you know, like... <laughs> like an os- He like didn't a- osmose through the door. Exactly. Um, I'm going to pass through the semi-permeous membrane of your door. Hold on. <laughs> the man, not saying a word, forced her face down into a chair, but the woman reached behind her, grabbed the Whoa! man's room. In her own words, I grabbed his cojones and gave him a good squeeze. Well, good for you. I he- mean... 
88 years old. Okay, now, for, years old. this is where I'm getting a sort of strange confluence of, of, of reactions right now. Yeah. Because on the one hand, you want to go like, wow, that hurts. On the yeah. other hand, you would be like, good for you. Yeah. So, I mean, we always, uh, you know, here's the thing on the Rick Emerson program. We always uh, applaud home uh, homeowners and, uh, you know, citizens who take the law into their own hands whenever they're confronted with evil inside their residence. And good but, for her. This is, this is just a nice little side to the story. The guy's name, Michael Dick. Is it really? <laughs> yes, it is. And, and Wait, here's, I here's his mugshot. I have to see that. Here's his mugshot. Wow. Yeah. Michael Dick of Gresham. Yeah. That's, you know. Oh, come on. Oh, and he's got crazy eyes, too. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Look at this guy here. If Craig Gass had a skinny older brother who was crazy. That's what he looks like right there. Skinny older brother of Craig Gass. He kind of does. I He's think you're right. kind of got Craig Gass. This guy's kind of a deformed head. Like, it's like he wore a hat that was too small for him. It kind of pulled his head out a little bit. Michael Dick has a deformed head. And Michael Dick is now in jail. And, and come on, you got to think about that. How, if you're in jail, even in Gresham, which probably isn't the most rough and tumble jail right. in the world, you know. But when they're asking you, what do you win for? And it's like, oh, I walked naked into an old lady's home, and she subdued me. She subdued me. I mean, you got you, You're a punk. Oh yeah. That's in the world. I come. That's you're a punk. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying. If I were such a man uh, in that situation right now, I I'm just saying for myself. If I were that guy, who uh, you know clearly, and he's not like it's not like he's at the top tier of criminals anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not like there's some guys like what do you do? Well, I uh, you know I'm in here for uh, RICO violations, uh, racketeering, menacing, and uh, importing 50 tons of heroin. I mean, he tried, to, he tried to go all tackle out on an 88-year-old woman. I mean, that really is like the low-hanging fruit, you know? So, so, and then he was subdued by yeah, said yeah, octogenarian. I mean, you got, you got some serious... And if at, I, at 88, she's almost 90. Yeah. And so if I were that guy, I'm just saying I myself might choose to just... Uh, yeah, just towel over the shower rod, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and then hope for better luck on the next uh, karmic wheel turn. You know, exactly. All right. Well, and then this also ties into our our Santa shooter. This next story, which um, is in Sweden, and I really thought the Swedes were smarter than this because they did give a Swedish erotica after all. That is true. Um, and IKEA. Yeah, I'm just going to read the headline and let this sink in for a moment. Man sets self on fire during stunt to impress date. <laughs> Okay. Well, you can't guarantee she wasn't impressed. Yeah, exactly. A uh, 33-year-old man uh, set himself on fire trying to impress his date. Um, apparently, he just poured gasoline over his arm. Oh, that's sexy. Yeah, isn't it? So, okay, well, now I know what it takes to impress exactly. Sarah. Um, I'll run out and get some gasoline a little later, baby. Um, set himself on fire, and then the fire spread out of control. Um uh, yeah, uh, it's, I'll, I'll just, back up for a second. Yeah. I, but, I mean, that's not even really a stunt. No, that's just stupidity. I mean, you know how to impress a woman? There's a lot of ways. But what I've discovered is setting yourself on fire. Does it rhyme with chloroform? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's better than setting yourself on fire. But, I mean, what is the, I mean, when you said he was like, like, when you said set himself on fire while trying to impress the girlfriend, I thought he was like maybe some sort of Joe Bluth, you know, illusionist like guy. Yeah, yeah, like he was, or, An like, illusion. or like he was trying to do something <laughs> spectacular. Like he's, money, right? he'd, and sometimes cocaine. He'd, uh, I thought that maybe he, you know, he had some sort of like complex thing he was doing. Like he'd, I don't like, I, like he'd, like he was gonna burn her name in rose petals on the front lawn or something. You know, something that like a little bit of, you know, that had a little bit of layering to it. 
But it's you're making it like it sounds like he just poured gas on himself and then yeah. lit it. Well, according to the story, that's this is Fox News, mind you. So it's they're not exactly known for their well in depth research. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm picturing the scenario sort of like this. You know, he's looking at her, and he's like, "Baby, you make me so hot," and she says, "Well, how hot do you make me, or how hot do I make you?" And he's like, "This hot, baby," and then he sets himself on fire, and then it all goes awry. I wonder if maybe he did at some point have. Have a plan that like a fireproof glove or maybe something like that gel that stuntmen use. But then too late, he realizes that that was in his other pants and he forgot to put it on. Or on his other arm. And, you know, the, the funny part about this is just that, you know, the sad thing is, is that I've known women who would actually be impressed by this. Not by the setting yourself on fire, but by the huge mistake. Right. Oh, it was so sweet. He tried that. And then, you know, and then years later, her, her girlfriend's wrote, why are you still with this loser? He set himself on fire for me. It was so cute when he accidentally blinded himself in his right oh, eye. Eyebrows. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program uh, on hey, KCMD Portland. Hello, sir. A quick couple of things about the uh, smoking ban. Uh, a couple of unique things about Oregon is, one, Oregon... Uh, I don't think Washington has it. I don't think California has it, but Oregon has video poker. And studies have shown that smoking and playing video poker in bars go hand in hand. The state is going to lose millions of dollars in in poker money. I don't necessarily know that that's true. And here's the reason. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm a, I'm opposed to the smoking ban at all. But I heard somebody else make that claim that the that the the smoking and playing video poker go together, Tanya, you know, Tanya Harding style, just like smoking and drinking. But the reason I don't think that's true is because unlike drinking or, you know, whatever, video poker you can't do at home. Like you, you know, like the people who really, really, really need to go play video poker are probably going to do it regardless. Right. I mean, it doesn't really see, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there are people who socially gamble, but I'm saying if you're a guy who's really bent on gambling, especially because you can't really gamble online anymore because, you know, they sort of, you know, because they outlawed online uh, gaming with real money. So, I mean, if you really want to play video poker, it seems like, I mean, it seems like you'll do, you know, kind of what what everybody else is going to. You're going to go and you'll you'll gamble, and then you'll get up and you go smoke and you come back in. So I'm not necessarily sure that I that I believe that, but who knows? It remains to be seen. The other thing unique about Oregon is we have a ballot initiative system, and whenever the social engineers overreach their bounds, we always have the opportunity to uh, get enough signatures and get something put on the ballot just to repeal the damn thing. Well, that was what Richie asked me yesterday because he was in asking about the smoking, and he goes, "Well, didn't we have to vote on this?" And I said, "Well, no." And then I had to then I had to sort of uh, you know admit that I don't really understand how how the political process works with something like the smoking ban. Like what was the? Cause it's not like it's not like a ballot. It was just like a bill becomes a law of it. Like I'm a bill on Capitol Hill deal, right? Like it wasn't the thing that the people waited on. Is that right, David Walker? I'm pretty sure that this was a lawmaker's decision. So I I don't recall voting on this one. Yeah, I mean I think it's just a thing that the you know that the man did as he always does to kill our fun, sir. I mean it's it, a ballot issue of for something like this should appeal to both sides of the aisle when, when you've got. On the left side of the aisle, you've got people that are really big on being able to consume the products of your choice. And on the right side of the aisle, especially with the business owners, people with private property rights and have owning a business who should be able to conduct a business in the way they see fit. I, I don't see why this would be such a hard foul initiative to get on the ballot and just smack the side of the head, just 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 throw the law. It would be kind of interesting, too. This is my favorite kind of thing to see on the ballot because, as, as you were just noting, that it does sort of cause conflicts inside people, like inside their own heads about what side they want to be on. Like you get, you know, the sort of like extreme conservatives who are very, you know, about clean living and God and your body's a temple of Jesus. On the other hand, you know, they're all about like keeping the man off your back and whatever. So I like things that cause discord inside a person's own soul. All right. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year.
I'd like to see the commercials. If if this if they, if we could get a, you know a ballot initiative to to repeal this smoking ban, I would love to see the commercials that would air, both pro and con, because I think those would be very entertaining. I mean, as long as somebody's shoveling a hot dog into their mouth, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, Rick. I was just calling to see if you had heard about the great Zoom crash of 2008. Dude. Did I ever? Uh, now we haven't we haven't read the story yet, but I know I printed it out. Oh yeah, so, I'm one of those unfortunate affected people. <laughs> so that's okay. This is great. So you can actually give us. So let me just give the broad strokes, and then we'll have you. Uh, you'll you know. Here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna be you're gonna be the guy in Portland that I use as my personal anecdote, Obama style, like I'm on the stump. Okay. <laughs> okay. So as I understand it, as I understand it. Uh, as I understand it, the Microsoft Zune, which is sort of their version of the iPod or of the Zen or whatever, um, which the, the first, uh, so the first version of that, I mean, the one that kind of came out of the market that the early adopters I went for was apparently just like, I, I mean, to, to call it like a brick is apparently not even, I mean, it's just oh. overstating the greatness of it. But I, but as Microsoft always does. They sort of can't, you know, they sort of can't be killed. They are sort of like, you know, it is like, an, it's like in Terminator 2, um, when the T-1000 rams the metal spike through Schwarzenegger and he's just sitting there and he's down and then you show the little schematic inside where the power is rerouting around the injury. That's what Microsoft does. <laughs> and so they come back and they've adapted and they're smarter and stronger, whatever. So that's all by, that's all by way of saying that the Zune apparently is getting better. It's not great because it's a Microsoft product, but apparently it's getting better. That being said... I guess sometime within the last 24 hours, like any number of, I was going to say millions, but I don't know how many, so, but a huge chunk of Zoom users just woke up and like the thing won't even work. Like it's absolutely. So I was with Puggy last night and he yeah. has a Zoom and he couldn't yeah. get it to turn on. But yeah, it won't even no, turn yeah. on. It's just, it won't even turn on. It's just locked off. It goes to the boot screen and it just stays there. I mean, first of all. Does that unnerve you? Because that's sort of... I always joke about how Bill Gates in his bedroom just has a big red button that he looks at, some, like a Jolly Candy-like button, and if he presses it, just everything on Earth is going to turn off, sort of, uh, you know, like Escape from L.A. style. So, so what it, is it, the deal? It does a bit. It, it does, but I had a, a Zen before I went to mm-hmm. the Zune, and I had the same problem. And Microsoft's actually working to fix the problem, whereas Zune just said, hey, send us some money and we'll send you a new one. Creative that's, did. That's fantastic. Well, Creative is known for having, like, the worst customer <laughs> service on Earth, even though I do have a Zen, which I quite love. So, but let me just back up for a second. So you have this Microsoft Zune, which is like, mm-hmm. like an iPod. When was the last time you used it and it worked? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday, like before you yep. went to bed or during the day I or didn't, something? I didn't connect it to my PC yesterday, but I was using it to listen to music yesterday, and it was working great. And I plugged it into my PC at work this morning, and it just died. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you really do have to admire the way that when Microsoft makes a mistake, they don't do it halfway. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's like into the wall at a 1,000 miles an hour. They make full-bore mistakes. I mean, they don't just come out with something... They kind of is a little sketchy. They come out with like Microsoft Bob or something or Vista <laughs> or this. So what is it? What is the word like? When is it? What? Well, people are speculating that it has something to do with the leap year or something like that. But that I really haven't seen any kind of explanation as to what the problem is. They just have a notice up saying that they're working on the problem and they'll get to us as soon as they can. Does it unnerve you that some guy hitting the wrong keystroke in Redmond can actually disable millions of electronic devices instantly all around the world? Well, yeah, you have an Xbox, don't you? You've heard about all the problems with those. <laughs> Touche. I keep waiting for the red ring to appear. All right, happy yeah. New Year, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more of David Walker, pop culture analyst and... Just guy around town. Raconteur. Uh, let's see what else coming up. We'll do the top five. Uh, Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in 2008. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Glorious Bastard of the Year, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program. God damn, it's an awesome song. It really is a fantastic song. This almost made the list, too. My uh, top five songs of 2008. I almost put either this or Womanizer on. And then I just didn't. I just, uh, and I didn't put anything from Roger Klein on either. So it's just uh, it's all very difficult. Anyway, so this is a song whose title I cannot say on the air. Um, but uh, it's the sixth track, I think, on the new Britney Spears record. Uh, Circus. So there you go. And it's quite something. It's the hip new sound that kids are listening to today. And it's by speaking of Sweden, David Walker, you were talking about all good things coming from Sweden? Yeah. Swedish songwriter and production uh, master extraordinaire Max Martin uh, mm-hmm. made this song. All right, there you go. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Did I ever reveal how much I paid for the tickets, though, yesterday? Because everybody yeah, thought like that 90 I... 90-something? Because everybody thought I, I bought that, like, the $695 Britney... What'd you pay, like, $96 which would, a piece? Which would be retarded. Uh, yeah, 90... yeah, because $96 isn't retarded. You know, here's the thing. David Walker, pop culture analyst, will understand what I mean when I say certain things you have to experience because they are part of the zeitgeist in which we live. Sarah Dillon. Not $96 worth. What was Actually, your, no. What is the... Okay, let's... We're, right now. We're gonna, we, now, we do this occasionally. We're going to do it this, we're gonna do it at this moment. What is the most you would pay for a ticket to see Britney Spears at the MGM in Las Vegas? Because that's part of the whole thing, too. It's not going to be yeah. like, like at the Rose Garden. What is the most you would pay for a single ticket to see Britney Spears uh, at the MGM? And we'll, we'll say for the sake of argument... Not terrible seats, not great seats. Yeah, you kind of, you know. I would pay fifty American dollars. You would not. <laughs> you would not pay. You wouldn't pay sixty bucks to see Britney in Vegas. No, that seems like too much. See, that's a lie. You're lying right now. Sixty is too much. You are. You are bearing false witness against your neighbor. I just don't. No, I don't throw away money. I throw around money like you do, Rick Emerson. <laughs> MacBook user. All right. I'm just. 
All right. You know what? There's the spirit, tension in the air. In the spirit of the new year, and because I made that snarky comment about the sham wow uh, to you yesterday, I won't say what I was about to say. Well, good. Well, you, you can't say that you're not going to say what you were about to say. $1,000 worth of sunglasses at your house. That's all. You have. Uh, it's my. I have a disorder. Uh huh. You, you know that uh, Sarah at her home actually has two uh, cupboards full of handbags. No, I did not know that. Cupboards like where normally like you keep food or dishes, handbags, purses. Wow. Cupboards full of purses. Wow. And Which, a lot of sunglasses. And I will say that they're arranged very stylishly and that I wish that I had Sarah's sense of sort of aesthetic. But I will say this. It's not this, but it does in some weird way if you don't see it. Like if you only hear the description, it sounds like a crazy lady who sort of keeps a dishwasher full of books. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> That well, I use half of my kitchen for storage. But it is, but you do it. But you do have sort of. It is part of a decoration, though. To be mm-hmm. fair, you do actually have it. It is part of how the house is. You know, oh no, but you, you don't have to it. it up. I don't cook. I I don't. Like I have a dish cabinet. Yeah, and it is used. But I'm saying the uh, the cupboard full of handbags. I'm saying you know they're glass fronts and it's lit and it, all, it looks very cool. I'm just I'm just saying the accusation that that I am throwing away money to see uh you know she's America's top away. It's your money. You earned it. You do what you want with it. I'm saying I wouldn't pay ninety six dollars. Even in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I'm not... I, Maybe. I don't know. It all depends on, yeah, the mood and then if I'd had a couple cocktails. Okay, so it might be an impulse idea. buy. So you might... So it you might be an impulse purchase if I had $100. Now you wouldn't go online uh, to do it like like ahead of it, like ahead of them. Like, I did it way in advance. You wouldn't do that. Probably you wouldn't do not. what Dave Zinn did, which is actually come here on a Saturday because there was no net access at home so he could buy them at 10.01 when they went on sale. I love Dave Zinn. All right. David Walker, how much would you pay to see Britney Spears at the MGM in Vegas? Well, there's three problems there. <laughs> <laughs> One is I'm not a fan of spending money. I'm I'm a notoriously cheap person. Okay. Uh, the other is I'm not that big of a fan of Britney Spears, and the third is I really can't stand Las Vegas. So you're a ray of sunshine. Yeah, really? I am. You know, I hate to burst everyone's bubble. I mean, you, you know, I'd go see her in Madison Square Garden though. Because I love New York, and right. then I could like walk out halfway through the show, disgusted that you know by her lack of talent, sickened by yourself, exactly, and then and then hang out at Penn Station where the real show is. Right. Um. I okay. If someone flew me to Vegas and then if put you were, me up in the hotel for free, I I'd probably be willing to drop maybe thirty five bucks. All right. Well. You know. And I'd want a free T-shirt too. So there you well, go. Well, we never did. <laughs> we never did find out exactly what. They, they, I was telling the story yesterday that I, uh, I was telling how I, I got a MacBook and um, uh, and uh, you know which is sort of my big. That's my big purchase for the year. And because like, my wife and I don't really do. When I said we don't really do Christmas presents, I mean it's just it, it's not like I'm opposed to it or anything. But it's like you know we're, you know but we're a, you know a relatively young couple with you know we have any kids or whatever. Yeah. So it's like we have you know so we have some disposable income. So. If there's something like during the year that, that I felt like I really needed, I, I probably just got it. So, but we kind of do the one big purchase every year. And so this year I kind of we, we were sort of budgeting for it, and I got a MacBook, which is you know whatever. And I was the first thing I I bought online using the MacBook was Britney Spears tickets um, at the MGM Grand in Vegas. <laughs> Spears. Um, I'm gonna be at home buying Britney Spears tickets, church. And, and so I sat there on the couch and I was, you know, she's in the other room doing whatever, and I'm like scrolling through the, you know, and there's that thing. Because it kind of, when you when you log on to some of those ticket buying sites, it it doesn't. It's not like it defaults you to the most expensive tickets. Because I think you'd notice that. Yeah. Uh, but they but they don't default to the most inexpensive tickets. The, they most, de- the most affordable. Tickets I, they exactly. must have had some sort of focus group where they figured out somewhere in the middle. And I think they must have studied it though, where they figured out the dollar amount at which point the human brain goes, wait a minute. <laughs> There's got to be something cheaper than that. And I think that I think that dollar amount is one fifty. Because 
The tickets were fifty-five, ninety-five, one fifty, and then like upward from there. And it defaults to ninety-five dollars. And so what? What did I buy? Ninety-five dollars tickets because I'm not that bright. So, um, but there was this package called the Toxic VIP package, which was I kid you not, and this was the this one like a scalping <laughs> price. This was the face price, six hundred and ninety-five dollars a ticket. And what do you get with this? Toxic? We, I'm just, it's I don't know. it just sounds dangerous. We never really found out. I guess we could look it up at some point, but I, we never really discovered what it was. Yeah. Um, but then Ticketmaster, I've even seen this. Ticketmaster started doing this interesting thing where. You can buy the tickets there, but I think to defeat sort of like like street scalpers or whatever, they now have this sort of I don't want to call it scalping even because I guess they're san- pardon me sanctioning it. But basically, if you go to Ticketmaster.com, you can buy the tickets sort of from them directly, or you can go to this subsection of Ticketmaster where there are other Ticketmaster customers who have purchased tickets but then are reselling them. And I think there's some rules about, like, you can only buy two and you probably can't re... So, in other words, you probably can't just buy them in mass and then resell them. But it's sort of like, I guess, if you buy tickets and then you realize you can't go or maybe you're just going to be selling one pair. And it's like the Ticketmaster marketplace and where they match you up with other Ticketmaster, cust- uh, Ticketmaster customers. So, there were people selling Britney Spears tickets for $4,000. Um, and see, that's just and four thousand dollars to see Britney Spears in Vegas is like saying to me, "Hey, which prison do you want to go to? (laughs) Do you want to go to a federal prison or do you just want to go to a state prison?" I mean, I uh, Vegas. Don't get me started on Vegas. I'll tell you that is not. I was supposed to go there next week, but I just decided I can't do it. Now, was this for a business, like professionally or personally? A little bit of both. Yeah. They they have their big porn convention every year at the beginning of the. Uh, I thought that was in uh, Los Angeles. No, it's in Las Vegas. It's the, uh, the the bit where they do the AVN awards and oh, everything. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to pay to go to that. You probably do. <clears throat> Not you, but you I, probably don't have to I pay. I don't have to because you're you know because you're, you're David Walker. Walker. David Walker. I, <laughs> for a commoner like myself, would I have to pay to go to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you'd be able to get in. You could. You think using the mighty power of CBS? Yes, you could. No, no, no. Les Moonves has put me on the list. It's uh, Emerson. <laughs> so the, I've always kind of wanted. When uh, my wife and I were living in LA, we thought about going to the big porn convention there, but a it was really expensive, and b it turned out it was not the one I want to go to because it was like for the, it was like a trade show. Well, this is this is also a trade show. Really? But it, there's but it's like it is the most bizarre thing you could ever go to because it's very much. Is it like Boogie Nights? It's yeah, but it's huge, and it's 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 like Comic Con. Except but with dildos, it, exactly, and and there's sort there's, of a double, it's a double-ended Comic Con. Yeah, and he, I mean, you know, I met Se- I met Seika, and I met you know Seika. Yeah, and it was like so bizarre because he's like you're old enough to be your grandmother, you know. Is she your favorite porn star? No, 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 no. no. Who's your favorite porn you star? You know, uh, female favorite porn star. I don't necessarily know if I have one. I mean, every the, the weird thing is that as guys, we all have our favorite male porn star. Which That's is true. A little gay, I guess, but not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, Harry Reams is my all-time favorite, you know, porn star. Of He's course, the coolest guy in the world. So. Have you met him? I I interviewed him once, not uh, not in person, but over the phone. Yeah, and it was a little disappointing because he's he's a Christian. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, and I lived in I lived in Utah. He is yeah, in, Park in Park City, City now. Yeah. He's a realtor. Yeah, uh, and Jesusy. And we tried I tried tracking him down when I was. In fact, um, I think I called his office once because he's a as a he's a real estate broker or whatever, and we're trying to get a condo for. Um, when I went to uh, Sundance a few years. Did you back. specifically request him? Yeah, I'm looking I, for a convo. No, 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 but no, no, no. But it had the re- no, no, no. The realtor has to be Harry, Harry Reams, or I won't yeah. buy. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Vegas is just not my town. I can't do it. So I found out what the VIP package entails. Ooh. So it's a general admission ticket, a VIP general admission ticket, a pre-show party, a backstage tour. What is a VIP general admission ticket? I don't know. 
It's probably the, the worst of it. Yeah, it's it's where you stand in the back of the VIP. Section. I mean, is that like where there's? It's still general admission, but it's like a it's like a pick your own seat thing, but it's in an area nearer to the stage, I guess. All, I All right, what else is that? And then a separate VIP entrance where available. Exclusive Britney Spears tour gift item, limited edition tour laminate and commemorative ticket stock. That's it. That's it. Mm. All right. Well, Dale. no, that's it. Yeah, seriously. We're all in the wrong business. All, all three. Of my said, don't list. So, Harry Reams is an interesting choice, by the way. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. I mean, I guess you sort of, in a way, you almost feel like you have to say Ron Jeremy because he's so much a part of the culture. Yeah, don't um, forget about it. He's there's something to be said for Peter North, though, and you all know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Don Geronimo on the Don and Mike show used to just. He used to just do these like, I, like ten, twelve minute monologues about how much he loved Peter North. I mean, it was just who apparently, speaking of the gay, Peter North, uh, Peter North who apparently did some gay work uh, yeah. early in his porn career, which under a different name, which he now kind of denies. But I and I've never seen it. But I guess the um, I guess the sort of evidence is out there. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, everything's out there. But I the thing I liked about it, Harry Reams had the cool mustache and the hairy chest. Totally. And and I when I was a kid, I wanted to have a hairy chest, so I would. I love you, Harry. So you could be like Harry Reams. Harry Reams and Sean Connery were the two guys that like I sort of aspired to in terms of body hair. Well, you have so, a hairy chest, don't you? Oh yeah, I do. I do. And yeah, I shaved like, it. I, I prefer Reams can come true. Yeah. Than like those little clean chested, like pretty boys. See, I would think you would go for kind of a smooth man. Mm-mm. I've seen some of the some of the guys you're attracted to, and they seem like um, well kept and groomed men. No, because you kept. I mean, sometimes, not always. And sometimes I'm, I have a type. I'm. I, well, I was gonna say I'm really not talking about anybody in particular here. I don't wish for anybody to take offense, but I mean, <laughs> you you occasionally go for guys who are um, pretty. Pretty. I was gonna say a little bit feminine, but that's the wrong word. Pretty that's is probably true. it. You go for pretty that's, men. That's just a Portland guy, though. There's not. There's there's not. Well, like, there's not many men who have the you know. The nerve to rock their hair chest in this this uh, chest hair. I now, do you trim uh, your hair chest? Oh, you yeah. let it go. Let it go wild. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm wild and bushy. Back hair? Oh, yeah, and it's turning gray too. You leave so, it there. You leave yeah. the back hair yeah. on. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. and back hair doesn't gross me out either. I've been. I like hairy men. Well, see. Interesting. Uh, I might have to set my arm on fire to impress <laughs> you later, baby. Fantastic. Uh, just quick side note: <laughs> we'll do a couple stories. We'll break. We'll right, try though, to get I old. fluctuate because I'm, like I'll date a hairy head and then I'll like a, like the farmer was really pretty. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Pretty what? <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Uh, no, you. But, but you do have that dichotomy though, where you go for pretty guys, and then occasionally you go for guys who are kind of grimy. I don't. That came out wrong. You know what I mean? Oh, like, no, like, mean. like a devil's reject guy. You know, like, like that's, like that's, like that's. Devil's reject. Guy. You, Bill Mosley and Devil's Rejects. Um, <laughs> let me stop. Let me stop and do this again, just so we can get out of this unscathed. In my assessment, Sarah Dillon, from my objective vantage point, you, the two, and I'm not saying you only have two types, but the two types of guys I typically see you drawn to are either A, pretty guys, mm-hmm. or B, guys who do, guys who do have, they do have a kind of a, they do have kind of a, uh, gruff is the wrong word, I mean, and scruffy is not really the right word either. But Unkempt. Yeah, I mean, but, I've dated yeah, but a couple, like, I've dated some scruffy guys, I've dated dirty guys. I didn't want to say dirty, but you know what I mean, like, but guys... We, we all know. Guys who, you know, guys who look like they guys who look like they might make a really good roadie. Mm-hmm. You know? That's, you know, like, kind of my father's place kind of guys. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've dated some grungy ones. Yeah, and you know who I'm talking about when I say the devil's reject. <laughs> that one gentleman uh, that uh, I... You said, oh, I'm spending time with so-and-so, and I go, oh, yeah, the devil's reject guy. And you went, exactly. Um... Why am I blanking? Because it was that to bad. write it down for you. No, it's uh, I don't know how to spell the rest of his name, but it's that guy. <gasps> oh, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Oh, he's filthy. <laughs> you can. I'm saying, can't you just totally picture him in a? <laughs> David knows who he is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. Well, oh, anyway, so so that's you know Sarah's kind of uh, sort of two types, but then you know I kind of have that dichotomy as well, where because on the one hand, 
I find myself really drawn to um to sort of. Uh, I'm gonna say, not going to say that. You like of. buxom, like, brunette ladies. Yes, I do, Sarah Dillon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so much the better if they have at least a sort of sheen of uh, of respectability. So, like, uh, you know, like these... Or intelligence. That's, that's what I was going to say. And, and a sheen is the wrong way to put it, but I mean... Um, but that's the thing. It's like sort of brainy, like yeah. sort of brainy brunettes with big cans is kind of yeah, my we, thing. We talked a little bit about that, but a lot of times that's all a facade to cover up the massive insecurity that's underneath the But, of course, now. insecurity is just hot to guys. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> like, women are like, I don't know. I'm you want s- them a little bit broken? <laughs> that's the thing. I, You know, what, we used to have this intern, Kyle, who, and we went to... We, when you I were, love Kyle. When we were at this old station, this, you know, talk ready for guys and whatever, and they, as part of it, they made us, I mean... I don't mean to complain, but it was just so not me. They made they made Kyle and I go dr- judge a, a Miss Hawaiian Tropic bikini contest. Yeah, which is funny, you know. I got no problem with boobs, yeah. you know, whatever. But you know, just being there, like pretending to like Simon Cowell my way through a bikini show, is just retarded. <laughs> but but this guy, this this kid Kyle, he was like 21 and totally just like a total. He was a very the dude. He was completely a dude, like from one of those Surge he was commercials. A bro. He was like a, a motorbike racer, and he's just really cool. Yeah. Earth guy. I mean, he's not a bad guy, yeah, but he was totally he one. Give me lunch every day. He was, you know, he he was one of those uh, one of those guys that you know just uh, just was very much a target. He was a, he was a target demographic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking. Anyway, about. so we're there and we're judging this bikini contest, and uh, you know the girls come out. And you're supposed to do like poise and presentability and whatever and blah, but like all of these BS categories. Yeah, yeah. And Kyle though, was taking it very seriously. <laughs> And he's just like, he's like, I don't know. Okay, she, I like the way she walks. I like the way she, uh, I like the way she, uh, she pushes everything out when she walks. That's a ten. And this one girl comes out though, and I see, and she was a very attractive girl, and I see him giving her like a five out of ten though, like half score. And I, and I actually, I just I go, I go, she's really cute. What's up with that? And he goes, Nah, she's got a little too much self-esteem for my taste. <laughs> And like it wasn't even it was like like and he said it as though it was the most obvious thing on earth and a completely rational ra- reason to mark her down. Um, but but yeah, so so Sarah has these sort of pretty and then maybe scruffy uh, dichotomy. Where yeah, it's, it's like an extreme either way though. Like there's no in between. there is no middle ground because mm-hmm. you've dated some very pretty men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm dating a pretty one right now. Yes, and so there you go. I'm glad you stopped me before I waited in and started giving specific examples because that'd be awkward. So, uh, but with me, yeah, I got the two types, which are basically uh, sort of, uh, as Sarah would say, uh, buxom brunettes who uh, are either very intelligent or very successful or both. Because there's some like, you know, sometimes guys will say things like, well, I don't really care if a girl's successful as long as she's hot. And I suppose there's something to that biologically. But you know what? Uh, but it, chicks who are uh, like really brainy and especially if they make a lot of money, uh, let me tell you, I, I, I may be the exception here. Chicks with money are hot. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you should know you're married to one. That's right. <laughs> you um, found your sugar mama. I had to find someone to pay the bills for me. MacBook ain't paying for, like, I'm buying that? No, no, no. Seriously. Look, the I money, like how you pretend it's your money. It's like play money. Yeah, the money may be in one account. I mean, there's a. Uh, I mean, there's two sources for it. I mean, you know what I mean? It's uh, So it all ends up in one pile, uh, but it all comes from one place as well. So th- th- so there's that. So, uh, uh, and then on the other but on the other hand, it's like really uh, trashy, uh, grubby blonde girls. So, you know. Like, like, the, the, like the Tanya Hardings. Of the totally. Like the kind that looks like they'll be coming out of a smokes for less so place. So you and I both have the same thing where we like opposite, like extremes to Very one side or the other. presentable and proper mm-hmm. or nasty and grubby. Just what kind of mood you're in. That's exactly, Sarah. It's all about... Um, it's all about the right tool for the job, Sarah Dillon. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Oh, I don't know. We need to break now. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll wrap it up by, by saying to, by saying this. A, so you were talking about you didn't have a favorite female porn star, but you but 
But you you meant Seika or whatever? Yeah. And was she kind of uh, old and broken down at that point? She was. Well, she was talking about making a comeback, but it wasn't exactly something I was looking forward to seeing. <laughs> No um, one was clamoring for no, it? No, 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 exactly. So. Uh, it's like when we had Christy Canyon on the show. and I loved her back in the day. See, yeah. me too. Yeah. Boy, howdy, let me tell you. Uh, Christy Canyon, and this is before, you know, the silicone sort of took yeah. over the industry. She was, as her Wikipedia entry said at one point, um, known for her charming personality and natural breasts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Christy Canyon was really, truly beautiful. And, um, and I put that on my Wikipedia. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. Uh, and... You know, she was really, really very gorgeous at, at, at one time. And, you know, and, of course, I've kind of moved on from doing the porn star interviews. I've just sort of, you know, he's like, hey, you can only do that for so long as a radio guy. And then you got to just like, yeah, and then you either got to kill yourself or change. And But she was one of the first I had on, and I was really excited about it because I was just, I was so into her as a kid. And and it wasn't even really like, I mean, it kind of went beyond being like a, like a sort of like, I'm going to have this hot girl in the studio. It was like she was just, she was an icon, especially yeah. in the 80s. She came to the studio and just... um just had not. Uh, you can age, and aging is actually fine. It's when you pick an arbitrary year of your life and then try to hold on to yeah. that specific year forever. Yeah, no, I, I've dated women like that before. Yeah. I will say I like Nina Hartley quite a bit. Great, you know what? And because she's she's aging, she's but she's smart. doing it, and you know she's whip smart and she's aging the right way. Yeah. You know, she keeps herself together, still looks very pretty, the Susan Sarandon thing. Yeah. You know, but doesn't try to artificially stop the clock. And uh, and Nina Hartley is funny. She's great. She does those tours, and she yeah. has like. And she was like those, those like sex positive videos or whatever. We're told about uh, you know how. To, and plus, she was in Boogie Nights. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there you go. When we come back, we'll ask you what your two types of women are, David Walker. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got coming up. Top five songs from 2008 in the assessment of Sarah Dillon, uh, Glorious Bastard of the Year, Mr. Skin. More from David Walker filling in for the laid off Tim Riley today. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on New Year's Eve. Go nowhere. Here's Aerosmith. It's New Year's Eve. Subject line of this email is just, my Zoom is effed. Good thing I have four bottles of Viso Star next to me. Best show ever, Jen in Woodstock. All right, there you go. Viso Star, which has yet to infiltrate my neighborhood, although Kristen Bowie says that she found it on 20th and Holgate. There's a little, like, Penny Mart or whatever they call it down there. When I went to um, Bremerton, we went to Polsbo, mm-hmm. and they had Viso in Polsbo. Really? Mm-hmm. Excellent. It's very strange. The whole uh, lot of flavors or just one? Um, Actually, I just saw the sticker in the window, so I couldn't, because uh, it was like at some uh, ale store. And it but they did have it there. Was but they did stock. have it. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, we got all of this stuff to get to. I mean, we only got an hour and 20 minutes left in the year. So, uh, without further ado, let us once again be joined by David Walker. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. All right, here we go. We've got a penis watch for you. Sorry, when, okay, <laughs> just a little background. I have this thing here. I have, like, this all these buttons and stuff. But mm-hmm. when Tim left, I had to take out his news sounder. So now everything's shifted. Oh, so it's I'm, not working. Yeah, so habitually, I've, I've been going to the same things for the past three years, and now they're all moving. Your muscle memory is, is, is no longer serving you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, your penis watch for Wednesday. Take a look at my enormous penis. 
Saying my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. Saying everything is going. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, pop culture analyst and author David Walker with your penis watch. Well, for this penis watch, we must turn our eyes to the state of Florida. The state of what? Oh, yeah. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I remembered where that one was. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, okay. In the town of Deltona, Florida, 27-year-old woman, uh, Cheris Bowers, was arrested on battery charges for biting her husband's penis. Uh, it turns out that uh, Cheris Bowers and her husband, uh, his name is Delu, um, were they went out for a night of drinking. They went home. They uh, were having oral sex, and he, she began to bite down on yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Apparently, right. he asked her to stop, which she didn't do. Um, so he began to punch her in the head. Uh, hap, 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 happiest couple on earth. He punched her in the head and face until she finally let go, the report says. See, and that's like the sort of, and we'll uh, walk, walk over this thin ice with the greatest of care, but if one is in that situation where one is engaging in that particular act and then the biting begins, I mean... How do you unclamp? I don't know, Sarah. Um, but... Uh, he began punching her in the face, which, on the one hand, seems like that seems counterproductive. That, 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 seems, that seems like that seems like what you do after she's let. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly if you're Ike Turner. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's you should be focusing on other I, body I parts. I told you not to bite. Yeah. <laughs> Have some cake. Yeah. Um, that seems, as Sarah said, that seems counterproductive. That seems sort of like a. Uh, that seems like when you get your sleeve caught in the car door. And you tell your brother, wait, hold on, no, 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 before you drive out of the driveway to go down to 7-Eleven, let me get my sleeve out of the door. Exactly. Because if the car leaves with your sleeve still in it, then it's then it's going to be bad. That's you where you, home. I would say right there, you uh, you punch in the throat. That's what I would say. <laughs> you punch, give it a punch right in the windpipe. Well, I also have to say that, you know, I'm thinking there might be, there may be some problems with the marriage in and of itself. They were out drinking after all. And if, at this point, she doesn't know that he doesn't like biting. Yes. It's then just... there's there, it's what we call a lack of communication. <laughs> yeah, you should probably know if someone's going to, you know, be down there. Yeah. You should get to know the lady a little bit better. Uh, teeth yeah. or no teeth? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's that... on the questionnaire that you fell out beforehand. <laughs> oh, no. I, I spell all that stuff out right up front, even before it's happening. Mm-hmm. You're like the, uh, yeah. you're like Banky Edwards. Seriously, like, I don't understand that, like, men are so desperate for that because, like, there's so many crazy ladies out there. I'm just saying. No, yeah. I'm just, I'm just. No, I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna be any more uncircumcised about it. But, but seriously, I mean, like some of the some of the crazy females out there are just oh, you're very trusting. You're saying okay. No, this is a good point actually. So your point, Sarah, uh, about that particular act of love, is that. So, so your point is that that actually, and I've really see now. This is the thing you're giving every guy who never thought about this a neurosis right now. We're all gonna have a new phobia. So your point is that because men are so uh, enamored of that particular uh, sexual act. Um, that but really they look crazy down there all the time. That's right. Yeah. I mean, really, that's like handing over the keys to the kingdom to somebody that, like, you maybe met five minutes ago mm-hmm. at, you know, at like so quickly. It's it's like you know that uh, when you do those trust seminars with your coworkers, and you, they have you fall <laughs> you should backwards. Have, you should have a couple like, trust falls before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I I've thought about this, you know. And again, this is what happens when you're antisocial and you stay home all night and don't drink. You begin to think about, well, maybe if I went out, I could meet somebody. And right. Then, but then you think, well, wait a sec. What if, and this guy, his wife did it. Come on. So, I mean, so I, really, it's just, uh. Yeah, and she's, uh, and, you know, this mugshot of her is, um, 
She's got the crazy eyes. Does she look mighty? Yeah, she she looks like, do not put that near me. you can't tell, like, a biter or not Wow. Yeah. Oh my God! Okay, well, I gotta put this up on the. Even, uh, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even kiss her on the mouth. She's got black eyes. Yeah. The devil's <laughs> yeah, eyes. Doctor Loomis, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and she's a little pig nose. Look that's at okay. That woman's not getting anywhere near any part of my yeah. body, especially the store. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. uh. But I mean, so. think of all the poor choices people make after a couple of drinks. Because I bet you know he kind of fixed her face with the alcohol. Well, but this was. That was his wife. And then his oh. fist. Oh. Um. The uh. So um. This is like our conversation yesterday. We were talking. So Jamie Cooley was here yesterday, and we—I don't even know how we started this discussion, but we were talking about because it was—it was like three chicks and me. It was Sarah and Jamie Cooley and Don Taylor and me, uh-huh. and which is you know which is fine because as Sarah pointed out, she's stuck in this weird locker room all the time with a bunch of dudes, mm-hmm. and so it was interesting to sort of be on the other side of that equation. But but we we're talking about guys or whatever, and I think Jamie had asked some question about some question about uh, about guys and. I know, I know exactly how we got to do it. But basically, I was talking about how how guys won't ever flat out reject a woman, even if the guy is taken or unavailable. Uh, the guy won't ever just say like, "No, it's not going to happen," because the guy in the back of his head is always thinking, "All right, now you never know uh, when I'm going to need uh, somebody to call." So let's let's not say no, but let's play it off with a joke, and then she'll be available maybe like in the future if I ever need female company. All right, that's great. Okay, let's say, you know, the, the, you know, because guys, and you and I were talking about this earlier, the guys always think, the guys always have that fear of, like, you know, when they're between what, what partners. the last time? Yeah, sir, like, what if I never get laid again? I mean, it's possible. I mean, I had that cousin that never got laid. I mean, what if that's me? Yeah. So, I'm that guy now, so unfortunately, it, but, um, well, <laughs> uh, never mind. Uh, so... So when Sarah says, you know, the, the guys really just uh, let themselves open to all kinds of harm by letting, let's say, a crazy woman near your unit, yeah. that really is just, uh, you really do see, by the way, the, uh, the the extent to which that sort of desire does override all kinds of rational thought uh, in the minds of men. I mean, one need only think back to Bill Clinton, you know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, really. I and, mean, and you don't have to ask, what was he thinking? No. As a guy, we really don't have I don't, to. Well, see, and I remember women at the time saying, like, you know, um, he has got a, you know, a, a trusting, a devoted, loving wife and a beautiful, and he is the president. What is going on in Bill Clinton's head? And there was no guy anywhere wondering that. Yeah. No, th- this is the best way to explain it. It's, it's you're, you're driving home after work, and you know that your wife has cooked you a great meal, but you're kind of hungry anyway, and you got like a buck in your pocket, and then you drive past a Taco Bell, and you think, I'm going to stop by Taco Bell to get something to eat before I go home. That's just how the the male mind works. Well, and so it's it's because I remember thinking that after Hugh Grant got busted. Totally. You, you, how do you cheat on Elizabeth Hurley? Right. And it's like, well, it wasn't so much cheating. He right. just, you know, he was hungry. Right this, then is, this is the line of demarcation that women <laughs> typically don't understand. They don't get it. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, this is the stuff that everybody's kind of talked about a billion times, but it's that the women have just, women are so unable to draw that distinction. You know what it is? You know what? You know what it is about men? Men, I think, to a, to a much greater degree, men are able to compartmentalize everything. And I don't just mean like sex and love and all that. I mean, men, yeah. men can isolate everything. Every single aspect of their existence into one or two sort of discrete, and that's discrete, D-I-S-C-R-E-T-E, categories. <laughs> Specific categories. Uh, you know, and so it is with Hugh Grant and the hooker. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a big problem. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Just because having this discussion about, the, you know, about men and women and the taco time and the, you mm. know, the, the cooking at home. Now, have you ever thought to yourself, David Walker, have you said, you know, things would be so much easier if I were just uh, the gay? 
Yeah. Because then I, you figure you're all on the same page. Yeah, you know, the, I, I wrote an essay about this uh, back when, who was the, the, the guy from Idaho got busted? Larry Craig. Larry Craig. I am not gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's, I believe that homosexuality is the ultimate evolution of male sexuality. Because gay men have created this whole unspoken language, you know, where they got the hand signals and the right. foot taps and all that stuff. And you can, like, go into the grocery store and be looking over produce, and then a guy can just sort of do a little thing on the shopping cart, and it means, hey, let's <laughs> run to the bathroom. And, and But you can't do that with, because, see, gay men have created their own language. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's an unspoken language. And so, yeah, things would it's be... It's a hyper-evolved kind of sexual communication. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know if it would be easier because you would know... Oh, this guy only wants me just, you know, because he's horny right this very minute. Yeah, but I mean, what do you care? Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, that's the thing. It's like really I mean, that assumes that you, that you have any sort of yeah. you know, problem with that. But if you could, that's why so many guys, they'll, you know, they meet these women and they go, God, she was so cool. She she thinks just like she's just like a guy. Right. You know, because it's it, there's that certain level. There's a lot of that pretense is just stripped totally. aside. Here's the thing, though, about women who are like guys. Yeah. Um, the problem with the problem with guys dating a woman who is a lot like a guy is this that and I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it's sort of a scaled down version of of dating a woman who kind of is masculine, you know, especially in terms of like love or sexual yeah. relationship. It is a sort of scaled down version of dating. There's no other way to say it. It's like a scaled down version of the guy who wants to date a stripper or a porn star in that it is a thing he initially <laughs> finds really attractive. Yeah. It's a thing he initially finds really cool. No, 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 this new girl I'm with. No, she's she's kind of like a guy. You know, she's one of the guys. I mean, she's hot, but she's one of the guys. It's really cool. And that is kind of like the guy who's like, dude, I'm dating a stripper. It is so hot. And what's really hot, uh, you know, like today in about four weeks, you know, becomes like jealousy inducing to most guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a woman who is one of the guys is initially really alluring, but then eventually most guys start to freak out and they get all, like, possessive and jealous about it because that same sort of weird independent streak that attracted them then becomes, like, this thing that enrages them. Yeah. So. Or it's just weird, because I, I, I dated a woman like that for four years, and it would literally, like... You know, I wasn't allowed to spend the night, and it was just. And in the beginning, it was cool because I told so my friends. So, so she was like that with you, like she would use you and kick you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at first, it was kind of cool because it was like, you know, I tell my friends, "Hey, I don't even have to spend the night. I just go over and da 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 da." da. But then after a while, it was like. Well, eventually, you kind of want intimacy. And then I said to her one time, I said, "You know, are you ever gonna, you know, ask me to spend the night?" And she was like, "Why would I do that?" And I just, I felt. I'm boy in my head. I'm seeing you in a dress yeah. right now. <laughs> It was kind of, it was this weird feeling of like, and, and it was in that moment I realized this relationship is never really going to go further than Did this. you want it to go further, or was it just that she wouldn't let it, and so you wanted it? Um, I think it was more that she wouldn't let it. And, and so you wanted to spend the night because she wouldn't let you. Yeah, and that's sort of the guy thing. That was the totally. like, And then, you know, when I finally did, I was like, why did I do that? Yeah. You know, so, but, uh, <laughs> but I blow this great deal yeah. that I had going. Do you want to share? No, no, I'm fine. I'm All fine. right, just share. You know, was it you that was saying you'd never gone to a shrink, or you don't go to a shrink? Uh, I, I went. I did go to therapy once for a while, years and years ago, and then I went to a hypnotherapist. But I, I've, I've never been to a shrink. I think I think of shrinks sort of the way I think of prostitutes, which is that if you look really hard enough, you should be able to get the same thing for free within your circle of friends. Well, speaking of that, I was going to note that I don't know if you've really paid close attention to the last time you were on the show and today. Uh, but really, I think like Sarah and I ought to be backbilling you for this sort of by the hour. No, we're all, we all we all help each other. That's true. We are. You know what it is? We're like a mental wigwam. Yeah. We are self. A mental wigwam. <laughs> That's we, pretty good. We're a self-supporting structure here. 
Uh, well, because we're all we're all crazy, and we all yeah. uh, either have or have had uh, m- many, many, many relationship problems. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, really, you're just uh, well, the, you're the, one of us. The thing is, is that um, you know, I realized I realized this earlier in 2008 when people say it's not you, it's me. Mm-hmm. They never go beyond saying that. It's like when someone sneezes and then you sneeze and I say, bless you. Right. I don't know why I'm saying it. It's right. sort of a cultural acceptance. If I, if I say to Sarah from dating her and I say, Sarah, it's not you, it's me. I'm not really thinking about what's wrong with me. I'm just trying to come up with an excuse to make her feel better. And then maybe six months from now she'll call me again and we can get back together. Right. You know, drunk at night. But like I actually have figured out part of what it is about me because that's... Well, this is back to your thing of saying that people hate you. Yeah. Which I think... Yeah, which which surprises <laughs> me because we have a uh, I'll tell you who it is off the air, but like I know somebody okay. who was at the at that party, and I'm just like, oh, there's my friend David, and this person's just like, I despise that man, <laughs> and, and it wasn't just like a, a casual like, oh, he kind of bugs me. He's just like him and I are mortal enemies. I'm yeah. like, how can you dislike David? I didn't understand it so- because you had been on the show last the last time you were here. We were talking about something or other, and uh, I forget how it came up, and you were like, well, people don't really like me, yeah. and I said, what do you mean? You go, well. I'm a polarizing person. People tend to, uh, you know, I get along with some people, but other people really loathe me. And I think Sarah and I both went, oh, that wacky curmudgeon, David Walker. Oh, his hand and then for he started humanity. around. I wasn't there, but so Sarah actually told me. She was like, I was at this party last night, and she was like, I, met, I was talking to so-and-so, and like I mentioned David Walker being on the show, and it's like they were just filled with rage. Yeah. And I think Sarah sort of leaned on this person a bit and went like, well, you know, but he's but he's you know he's but he's funny. He's a good guy. And they're like, no, f him. I wish he was dead. You know, whatever. So like, and we couldn't figure out. What it is? So like, what did you have you done something? Um, like I, I, I probably didn't do anything to that person. I, I'm not even sure who it was. You can tell me during the break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But part of it is is that I really genuinely don't care if people like me. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people go through their lives trying to get people to like them, even if they have no reason to. And so I don't care. And and I and I don't go out of my way to try to impress people or be uh, you know I treat everybody with the same sort of level right and but for some people that's not enough. Well, you seem like you give respect if it's given to you. That's exactly. what I'm saying. You don't automatically confer respect upon anybody. Exactly. And so you know, there's I mean it's it's, it's interesting because I have friends that will tell me oh I was just what Sarah's saying I was at a party and someone was talking about how much they hate you and I was like well I don't even know that person right like I can I could give you a list of the people who are genuinely you know. They deserve to hate me. Right. They, they've earned it. There are know? folks that have a, a legitimate grievance. Exactly. But then there's other people, and, and there's probably just like people who hate you for no reason oh, other yeah. than, you know, oh, a friend of mine called me when I was on a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, that Emerson, he's a pizza Nazi. I hate him. Because you were talking about pizza. And, oh, you know, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the bacon, yeah. pineapple pizza or whatever. And so people will find these bizarre reasons to not like you. And I just don't care. Right. You know, there's like there's like five people. That, that must I care be kind about. of a free feeling. You know, it is and it isn't because it's sort of like, you know, going to that party that I saw you at, walking to the door and going, oh yeah, there are some people here who don't like me. I'm just gonna leave because I'm not about getting into confrontations mm-hmm. or anything like that. And that's the other thing that bothers people about me, where people want to get into that fight. Um, don't want to have it out once and for yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Or sometimes when you're dating somebody right. and they they sort of throw down that gauntlet and say whatever they say and you just go. All right, I'll see you later. Right. I don't need to. Ha- I don't need to have the last word, and that that like, it, it, the last word is walking away. Sure. You know. And well, so, that's. I mean, that's when you know you, that because because you have the confidence to like you know you're secure in yourself. Yeah. That you don't have to sit and like justify yourself to somebody in an argument, either defending yourself or in a relationship. You'd be like, well, I'll f it. I'm, I'm yeah. out. And I, I'll have the, maybe I'll have the little breakdown at home. Right. But it's never like I'm going to go. Oh, why? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Come on. Well, you know, Sarah and I have talked about this. That uh, I don't think it's happened here as such, but other places, Sarah and I have worked. 
this has happened multiple times where somebody will go to Sarah and say, I think Rick hates me. Oh, I get that all the time. But it's somebody yeah. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know who they are. It still happens every once in a while. And I'm just like, no. Like, even when we're out in social circumstances, and they're like, Rick isn't talking to me. I'm like, he doesn't talk to people. Yeah. That's and, just the way he is. And, yeah, they'll come. And they'll it's go like to... if he thinks he's too cool, he's just, you know, nervous and, and doesn't I, really I, have anything to say. He's and, not in show mode. And I don't really know how to interact. Here's the thing. Uh, and this is not, like, news to anybody. And I'm not the only guy, like, who does this, who has this sort of pathology. But, like, this here from, like, 11 to 3... I'm perfectly fine. Can yeah. function flawlessly, like a uh, you know fish in water, or whatever. But man, it's like you, you know you, 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 five minutes before eleven or five minutes after three, and I'm just a gibbering nitwit. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I turn into a pumpkin. And but these people, but they would come to Sarah, I guess, because they, they thought that Sarah was sort of like could intercede, like the Virgin Mary, uh, on their behalf. And they'd say, Yeah, I think Rick hates me. And 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 Sarah would initially she would come to me, she'd go like, Do you hate so and so? I'm like, Who? And she'd be like, You know, the guy that works. I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. And what we finally figured out is that, like you, I just have this sort of, I have two modes. I have sort of, like, very ebullient and sort of engaging mode, yeah. you know. And then I just have, you're like, just... I, then I just have sort of, like, when your computer is in sleep mode, where I'm just, mm, and I just, and I'm not interacting at all. It's just sort of, I'm just sort of, like, in suspend, like, hibernation mode, you know, personality-wise. And Sarah finally learned that the way that, that that was the case. And so she would just tell people, she's like, no, no, no. She's like, for the first six months you know him, you'll think you, you'll think he hates you. And then you realize it's just that he's a just jerk. How he is. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the funny thing that I've discovered over the years is people ask me all the time, "Oh, do you hate so and so?" I don't. First, half the time I don't know who they're talking about. But then the flip side to me not really caring how other people feel about me is that I don't necessarily project the like I'm a warm, giving person. And so I might see you at a party and just go, "Hey, how you doing?" And like they take that as me just sort of blowing them off. Right. But it's yeah. I mean, I grew up totally alienated and shut off from the west rest of the world. So I'm you know I got all this baggage. Well, you don't strike me as a guy that does small talk and you don't you know like so some weather we're having. Well, you know I can, I can talk about the weather if I need to, but you know I mean I've got my close friends that we talk about that sort of stuff with. But you're you know you're at a party and it's like okay I you know. Let's see, am I, do I need new friends? No, I think I, am, I still have my friends. Well, Sarah, to her credit, though, has actually worked really. Sarah's sort of doing this uh, over the course of 10 year, um, like, remodel project on me. Mm-hmm. So it started with, like, uh, you know, like, like my hair and everything <laughs> I wore. And now we're at the point where Sarah has sort of fixed me externally to the point that I can be fixed. And now we're starting with the mentally. <laughs> now we're working inside. And I'm inside. fixing myself as well. So now Sarah does this thing of like of, of sort of scheduling social events for me. And she doesn't sort of drown me in them, but just enough that I'm sort of forced to get out of the house and go be social every like however many weeks. And she'll and, and the thing about Sarah is, and I'm sorry I'm talking about you like you're not here, but it's... um. But it's, uh, I don't know, but it feels it feels weird. It feels awkward to actually talk to you directly about it. So I can talk to David as though you're not here. And then it, <laughs> yeah, we won't even look at voice our weird intimacy issues. Um, but, but Sarah will do this thing where, like, I think she sort of understands where my limits are, like, how often I can just suck it up and go to a party and just pretend that I want to be there. Yeah. And so she won't. This is an awkward statement. So just like my wife. Sarah will not really push me beyond what she knows I can do, but also when when there is something that I need to go to or a place where I need to go see or be seen or network with people or whatever, whether it's for the show or whatever, it, she'll actually just sort of gently but firmly, firmly let me know that, like, it has to happen. She'll be like, now there's this thing coming up on Saturday. You need to be there. 
and then you probably don't have to do anything for a few uh, you know months after that. But you really need to go. There's going to be some people there you should talk to, and it's going to be you know so and so is going to be there. I'll be there. It's not going to be that terrible. Be in and out in like three hours. So just make a note that on Saturday you need to be at this thing. And see, and people like you need people like Sarah. It really I mean, it's is true. Really, we all need each other. Yeah, no, and, and and but that's the thing. It's about knowing each other's limits and understanding them. And and it's like I was saying to a friend of mine the other day. I said, you know. There's friends that I have that I, I, I know the rules of how to be their friend. And if, you know, they demand too much, then I just right. ignore them because I know they're asking so much. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to say, no, I can't come. I can't, you know, beat up your ex-boyfriend for you. Right. You know, whatever. So, yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> take it. Jesus, it's two o'clock. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back. We're going to do Sarah Dillon's top five. Yeah. All right. There you go. As sort of a reward for listening through the various psychoses and uh, you know mental ambiguities of Rick Emerson and David Walker. Back after this, Sarah Dillon's top five, two thousand eight. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Oh, by the way, here's a phrase that was mentioned earlier on during a commercial break that we never really got a chance to discuss on the air. Someone in this room, and by someone, I mean all three of us, said... <laughs> let me let me just preface this by saying... That sounds so creepy. I don't think you should say it. Sarah Dillon, David Walker, and myself were all here in the studio during... You know the, the, that thing they do? It was like Opie and Anthony or somebody. They do some they do that thing where it's like they're, they're on the regular, you know, the real radio for like three hours, but then they're like on satellite for two uh, two other hours. You got to pay for. So it's like they give you most of the show, but you got to pay to hear the whole thing or something. We had to do something like that here, where for like ten bucks a month or something, you can hear us in the commercial breaks. <laughs> oh no, that was a bad idea. It's a great idea. It's a hilarious it idea. For the same reason, <laughs> bad idea. Uh, so David Walker, Sarah Dillon, and myself are all here, like in the, the two commercial breaks ago, <laughs> and every single person in this room, all three of us said that we would sleep with Rosario Dawson if she had a penis. <laughs> that includes yeah. Sarah, by the way. Everybody's like, I'd have sex with Rosario Dawson if she had a penis. Yeah, well, yeah. I would. I, yeah, what you know, are you gonna do? I would lie. It doesn't make me gay. <laughs> it doesn't make me gay either. Exactly. It uh, makes me totally gay. <laughs> here is your top five for Wednesday. Five, four. Gentlemen, we are now at the final top five of 2008. Oh, the pressure! So on Monday, I counted down my top five songs uh, released in this year. And of course, the only rule could be uh, local, national, any kind of music, any genre. The only rules had to be released in this calendar year. Yesterday, Jamie Cooley uh, did her top five. And by the way, I got more response to Jamie's top five than I than I think I have to any top five we've done in. I think the last top five that got that much response. I think it was one of Paddock's top fives. I forget. It might have been his teenage moping list or something. But anyway, so um, 
So mine, Jamie's, and Sarah's top fives will all get posted on the website. Uh, some, I'm having a little, bit, I'm having some issues with my uh, with my web log. So if it looks like I haven't updated it, I have. It's just not showing up on a lot of computers. I haven't so, done my blog in a couple weeks. Bloggers having some, they're having some technical problems. But um, so all the top fives will be posted. But we're gonna finish out this year with Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in 2008. Sarah Dillon. All right. Here's my honorable mention. It is from the greatest movie of the year. I think you might have heard this before. Tell everybody what we're listening to, Sarah. This is called Zydrate Anatomy, and it's from the movie Repo, a genetic opera. Which I still haven't seen that movie yet. It's amazing. Paris Hilton's face falls off. Okay, then I, I'll watch it just for that. Did it's, you meet the director? I met, yeah, I met the director, and I met this guy who was uh, singing right here. Oh, so sexy. And it's got Anthony uh, Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It does, yeah. And, of course, yeah, it's Paris Hilton and just like... It's, uh, it's like the post-apocalyptic wasteland where everyone's organs are on sale and they can, like, you know, harvest other people's. It's, it's amazing. I don't think it's going to come out on DVD for a long time, but I don't think they're coming Oh, I think you're wrong about that. I think it's going to come out on DVD instantly. Well, remember they were driving through town and had the one copy of the DVD that they were driving They were totally doing the Roger Corman thing where they would put the print in the trunk, drive to a city, show it, pack it up, go to the next city. Which is the best way to do it. Totally. I'm all in favor of that. All right, this is my fun one, but if you have a chance to see this movie, see it. It is goddamn hilarious. Okay. Sounds like an endorsement. I will watch it. All right, these are Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in 2008. All right, number five. The Killers, and the song's called Human. I didn't think you liked The Killers. Mm, I like them a lot. I've seen them both. Well, I've met Brandon Flowers before, and he's a huge. Really? Is he a pretty man in person? Yeah, my friend Jeremy, well, I don't know if, he's, if Jeremy still is. My friend Jeremy is the tour manager for them, so every time they come through town, um, he'd give me a bunch of passes. That's right. So we'd go and hang out with them, and went to a couple strip clubs with Brandon Flowers. Really? That's odd. Went to you know, Magic Gardens, and he was walking around in his Chanel sunglasses, and it was you know, like pitch black outside, and she's like, Elton loves these sunglasses. Elton John's my biggest fan. That's kind of odd, because you know he's all Mormon and whatnot. No, he was wasted, and it was right before... Oh. I don't care. Oh, whatever. It matter to me. A couple years. Yeah, oh, he was... Yeah, he was just kind of slutty and, like, you know, trying to touch the strippers and was, like... Yeah, they don't like that. No. But they liked him. And he's a very tiny man. Everywhere you go in Utah, uh, the killers are on the radios. Uh, the killers are on the radio constantly. Um, because because in in my experience, anyway, having lived there, the, the Utahns love nothing more than when a homegrown product or a, an entertainer who is Mormon gets mainstream success. Like, that's why, it, as big as it is everywhere else, you cannot get away from that goddamn Twilight thing anywhere in Utah. Because it's, to, it's like Mitt Romney, same thing, you know? But, um... What was my point? Blah, blah, blah. Strippers, they don't like that. Yes. So. How can you not like this? I guess I just sort of forgot they existed. I mean, they had that, was the hot something or other? It was the first album. Yeah, hot fuss. Yeah. I mean, and there was, uh, and they had whatever. And then somebody told me you had a boyfriend or whatever, that song, mm-hmm. um, which I which I liked a lot. And then I just. And then they like, had Sam's Town come out, and um, I don't know what album this is. I don't know if they're new in it. But they're sort of like Franz Ferdinand in that I was really aware of them and then I completely forgot they existed. Honestly, this is a, seeing them is one of the greatest shows I've ever been to. Really? And I went deaf for like two weeks after it. So. You know, here's the thing. When you work in radio for a long time, you will, you will always associate certain songs. There's certain songs that you would never have listened to in your personal life that you know word for word because you worked either at or next door to a radio station. That, like there's all kinds of country songs from either around 1990 or around... 
like 1999 that I know just note for note because I was like next to KWJJ or I was working, whatever. There's a whole lot of alternative songs that I know because Sarah was doing the morning show at KNRK. And that was... The, no disrespect to them. I'm not their target demo. It was the only time I listened. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just because, you know, that station's not for me. Uh, but I would listen when Sarah was doing the morning show. So that's like that Franz Ferdinand song. That's kind of why I know all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Sarah Dillon's top five songs from 2008. Number, let's see. Oh, number four. This is Muse. And the song's called Nights of Sidonia. It's one of the coolest songs I've ever heard. It's really epic. It was, I, I heard it in the car. For the first time, I actually Googled the lyrics just so I could figure out who's saying this. You like this one, too? I do. I'm not a huge... I mean, I don't dislike them. I just haven't really taken the time to explore Muse that much. But everybody... I don't know any casual Muse fans. Muse fans, people who like their music, they gush about it relentlessly. Like, Court was that way. Court was just like, you don't know Muse? Sit down. And he just immediately like, brought up his uh, you know, his uh, iTunes and started playing it for me. It's only three guys, right? It's a trio. Oh, the sound that they make is incredible. It's so epic sounding. Here it is. I feel like we're galloping to Valhalla together. <laughs> That's what the video is. Where is my winged steed? It's all section dirty cowboys. Uh, back on the Twilight thing. Muse, I think, is all over the soundtrack to that, and Muse sales are through the roof recently because Stephanie Meyer revealed that Muse is the only thing she listened to while writing the Twilight books. Really? Yeah, it's the soundtrack to all of the books in her head. David Walker, you're not I, weighing in on these well, songs from 2008. I, I see, I knew you were going to say something. I'm feeling like such a dinosaur now, so I'm going, hmm, Muse, never heard of them. Hmm, The Killers, never heard of them. I, you I heard of The Killers? I, I've heard of The Killers, okay. but I've, I've turned into a musical dinosaur the last, I'd say, year and a half, two years. Sort of. That's what unemployment does for you. You just, you know. It's no longer an excuse. No, well, we should have you come in and do your top five favorite songs. Well, like, okay. Uh, okay. What is the last... I won't even say purchase, because again, you don't even, I mean, legally even, you yeah. don't have to purchase music now. Like, I, I you know, I have a, a, a subscription service that I use. So, um, the last album or CD that I actually bought that was new at the time uh-huh. was Nas' Hip Hop is Dead, which was like two, two years albums. ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Um, everything else I bought has been like older, you know, older titles. Excellent. Sarah Dillon's top five songs from 2008. All right. Let's see. Number three. This is Gaslight Anthem, and the song is called uh, 59 Sounds. You um, had me listen to the song, and it's quite good. It is amazing. The whole album is amazing. Actually, uh, Paddock let me borrow it so that I could burn it, and then I just never gave it back. So he let me keep it. I haven't... Whenever I have people over, we'll all sit on my back porch and, like, smoke cigarettes and drink sparks and stuff and get ready for, um, for a night out on the town. And this song hasn't left my stereo for about... Or this album hasn't left my stereo for, like, a month. It's a beautiful song, but it's sad. It's about um, their friend who passed away. This song is what prompted that big conversation we had on the air about the Goo Goo Dolls one day. Because I was saying that... I was making the point that, like, the kids today, they don't know this, but the Goo Goo Dolls used to not suck. There was this time when they were good. <laughs> sort of like the Chili Peppers. Exactly. Uh, people don't remember pre-Under the Bridge Chili Peppers. And Court and I were talking about the Goo Goo Dolls and how they used to be good. This sounds... 
like Springsteen playing an old Goo Goo Doll song. This, uh, this has got a good sound, though. Who is this? This is called the Gaslight Anthem. Okay. And the name of the album is actually the 59 Sound. And you're going to burn a... me a copy of this, right? Yeah, yeah, and they've been around for a while. So they have a bunch of other, um, yeah, a few other albums. Now, are all their songs, I mean, they're probably not all so epic, well, not but I mean... they're not also emotive and epic. But, but I mean, are they, are they all the same kind of sounds? A little bit. It depends. Some of them are a little more rock. One of them actually sounds exactly like an Aikman song. Interesting. It has a really creepy line in it, too. Like, whenever I'm listening to it on a Saturday, I hate it because uh, one of the lines you're not supposed to die on a Saturday night. Mm. Looking to it, it just sounds so foreboding. That little vocal treatment he has, that little reverb, is very Springsteen. Yeah. I know who Springsteen is. I am so envious of people who can write anthems. I've just, I've tried over and over and over, and I can just never really make it work. Damn, I love music. Do you ever meet people who are just not into music? Yes! I don't understand them. I don't get them. I don't mean a specific kind of music. Just music in general. Oh, I don't listen to music. People say that. There's someone we know. There's a a good friend of the show, actually, who I won't name, but... uh, mm. Uh, There's someone we know who's a pretty good friend of the show who, at one point, I was talking about bands and whatever, and, and he actually goes, he says, you know, I just, uh, I don't really listen to much music. I, it's not really a thing I'm into. And, which is, you know, I guess that, that everybody's, you know, everybody's different, but I, I can't, I just can't even fathom that. It's just like, it's like having, it's like, I don't know, it's like having no sense of smell or something. I can't even imagine it. See, I'm, I don't listen to, I listen to a lot of music, but I will listen to the same album, like maybe every day for You've two or three years. Yeah. I go nuts. Yeah. And like right now, I'm sort of in this, I, well, I'm, I always listen to Thin Lizzy, but Thin Lizzy and Elvis Costello are the two things I listen to the most right now. I'm That's totally in an Elvis Costello yeah. state of mind right now. That's weird. I know. You would never know by looking at me. No, no, I'm just, uh, but it's just. It's not. It's just the two. It's the Thin Lizzy and Elvis Costello. Yeah, I know, but because one is very, uh, you know, kink, and one is very KGON. Yeah. So, which is fine. I mean, I've been there's. Uh, I'm, well, the two things I'm binging on now are this band called the Gutter Twins, uh, who are from Seattle, and All American Rejects, who are this very scrubbed, Smallville-looking, uh, like power pop band. And they don't, you know, the two taste, two great tastes that don't sound at all alike. And those are the two things that are just back to back to back to back to back to back over and over. Sarah Dillon's top five songs released in 2008. All right. This is from the band called The Airborne Toxic Event, and the song is called Sometime Around Midnight. And um, it's so it's so amazing because it completely describes the feeling that you get after you've broken up with somebody and you see them again for the first time, and they're with somebody else, and how it just makes them, like, rip your insides out. And you hit the post. Sometime around midnight. Or at least that's when you lose yourself. From Who are these guys? They're called the Airborne Toxic Event. I like it already. As you stand under the bar light And the band plays some song about forgetting yourself for a while He kind of sounds like the Glenn Hansard guy. These guys are amazing, too. They have this, um... In that white dress she's wearing, you haven't seen her for a while. Doesn't this sort of remind you of that song he sings at the beginning of Once? Yes. But you know that she's watching 
in the video of them standing in a club. And Your songs are all buzzkills. They're beautiful. I mean, they're beautiful. You know what they... It, and this isn't a bad thing, but they, they all have a very 80s sound to them. Mm. Somebody actually just emailed me. Yeah. I said, I'm listening to Cher's Top 5. Does she like New Order? Mm. Oh, I love New Order. Yeah, and, and I, see, I don't know enough... Like, everything sounds really familiar to me, but I'm having to go back to high school, which is right. not where I want to go to, uh, like, but... Um, yeah, it's reminding me of, like, a lot of that British... Yeah. It was. They called it New Wave back then. You know, I think you and I are almost the same age. Uh, excellent. These are Sarah Dillon's top five songs and this one's a little more upbeat. from 2008. What is your number one song of number this year? Number one, I've been obsessed with this song all year. All my friends know it. I've tormented them many late night dance parties. This is MGMT. The song's called Kids. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've never heard... one on my phone. And every morning for about three months, I would come in here to the studio in the 10 o'clock hour, and this would be playing. Yeah, MGMT, this album's called Oracular Spectacular. And it's just a, um, it's a really fun, just silly album. And you can, it's one of those ones you can listen to all the way through, put it on repeat, good background music, or fun to just dance to. MGMT, is that sure for management? Yeah, they used to be called the management, but they were sued, so they were MGMT. But it's like a dead or alive <laughs> kind of a thing. Were these guys here a while back? Well done. Back after this, more of David Walker at the uh, news desk today. Uh, we got the glorious bastard of the year who will be unveiled before the end of today's program. Like us at 3, Michael Mara Show at 7. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson program live on New Year's Eve. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up for the end of the segment, we'll unveil the glorious bastard of the year. Who wins, like, the biggest list of stuff you can possibly imagine. I mean, it's endless. Into the Wild. Life of Brian. Rush Hour 3. collection of things. Totally. Case of Viso. Case of Viso. Whole first season of American Gangster. Uh, Lost Boys 2. The Shield. Whole sixth season. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Definitive Collection. Nature Boy Ric Flair. The entire filmation adventures of the superheroes. 
Muppet Show Complete Third Season, uh, Sports Night, the Complete Series on DVD, and Bacon Salt, plus more. So that's the Glorious Bastard of the Year. You didn't even name like half of the stuff on there. No, I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's so overwhelming. Huge. Um, so, uh, and so we'll get to that, uh, here in a bit. So we got about 20 minutes left. It is New Year's Eve. We're here. We're live and, uh, filling in for laid off Portland media professional Tim Riley, laid off Portland media professional. David Walker. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. We've got a little bit of disturbing news here in uh, Portland local. Two twins, Michael and James Johnson, are now currently in Multnomah County Jail facing charges for beating up homeless people. Apparently, this was what they did for thrills. Are these, uh, are they youths? No, no, these are two 32-year-old men. Really? Yes. Uh, and uh, according to police records, they have extensive criminal histories, including arrests for assault, drugs, domestic violence, drunk driving, and more. This is like a low-rent Cronenberg. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. This is, uh, and here, here are these guys. And, you know, I, I don't know. Oh, if, God. If, if you're getting your thrills from going around beating up homeless people, you, you're pretty much at the bottom of the evolutionary chain. Well, there's a pile of animal bones in your backyard. Exactly. Because the homeless people are like step three. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and 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 they're, they're tag teaming them too, which God. just really kind and of bothers me. And they're totally um, identical twins too, which is even creepier. Michael and James Johnson made two of them. Well, seriously. one's looking like they took up more of the oxygen in the room than the other, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, seriously, and 32. Uh, uh, I'll just say what we're all thinking. Yeah. They're 32 year old identical twins with extensive criminal histories. But they have been uh, accused of randomly beating homeless people, and then it says, "Your quote, just for the fun of it." I think we all know that there's. Uh, this would be my opinion, by the way, my editorial <laughs> observation, as protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. We all know there's something. Uh, I see. I'm doing it again. Yeah. We don't all know anything. In the opinion of this <laughs> pundit, I know it. In in the in the opinion of <laughs> myself, uh, Rick Emerson, my opinion as protected by the First Amendment, there's some weird psychosexual thing going on with these two, and we, you know, and and I know, and I know that oh, I like believe that. Oh, like the brothers in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, they've got issues they've got to work out right there. That's what I'm saying. And, and well, now they'll be in confined quarters together. They can work it out right. That's right. They had lots of time. But this goes back to to, to the uh, you know, you're in jail. The guy out in Gresham. Who walked naked into the old lady's house and she grabbed him, you know, by his 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 testicles mm-hmm. and he's in jail. How do you explain that in jail? Because in jail there is a hierarchy there, and if you're in there for beating up homeless people, they don't like you for stuff like that. Do, and, and, and I mean, and don't we all know? Look, I'm not saying you should be beating up anybody, but if you're out there like beating up homeless people. Like there's something broken in you. I yeah, mean, that's not like you've had one too many and you're punching a guy. Like that's you're you're a, you're a damaged, broken person, irreparably so. And and I can I can say this because I'm not a regular. There are people out there who deserve to be beaten up, but homeless people they're they're on that bo- they're not on even on the list. No. They're you know I can think of other people that should be beaten up. Oh no, dude, see you don't really <laughs> listen to the show often enough. <laughs> we have a book. Let me introduce you to a thing called the book. <laughs> This book, when you were saying there's, you're saying yeah. you're a regular, you're not a regular, so you can say there's people who deserve to be beaten up. You can see there's several pages filled in here. <laughs> this is a book filled with specific people who will be dealt with appropriately at the appropriate time in the future. <laughs> okay, why don't you give them a, a sample, Rick? Uh, here we go. Let's see. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, uh, we have Jessica Botsko of Toledo, Ohio, who kept her 11-year-old son in a dog cage. Okay. Uh, let's see. We have Philip Merriam uh, and Lisa Michelle Mathers. They stole a backpack belonging to a uh, 12-year-old cancer victim. 
Um, oh, and speaking of someone who needs to be in the book, they're nameless yet. My friend Joel, who has MS, mm-hmm. he was at a bar last night. He went to the bathroom. Somebody stole his cane. You don't steal an MS wow. man's stole cane. His cane. Uh, let's He's see. Evil person, if you're looking. Uh, let's see. We have. Um, we have Jeffrey Dean and Marcy Ray Beagley. They are uh, followers of the Christ Church in Malala. Uh, they were the ones that wouldn't get help for the kid, and then the, uh, the kid's dead. Yeah. So the faith-killing parents. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I won't go on and on and on. But, uh, yeah, one of the most recent interviews, of course, uh, Kurt and Lori Drew of St. Charles, Missouri. They're the MySpace hoax parents. Yeah. Uh, so these people are in the book, <laughs> and there will come a time in the future. When appropriate measures are taken and they are dealt with in a manner befitting someone of their low stature on the human ladder. Well, that's good. I have I I, I just keep the list in my head. Yeah. I don't even need a book. It's there's a whole other compartment. But moving on, <laughs> are you we like have... Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison just sit there and cross up the list and smear lipstick on your face? Yeah, we don't. I don't want to sound too too antisocial or, or violent. Oh, I'll do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> we. I want to move on to. Uh, Taser watch. Fantastic. Here's your taser watch for Wednesday. David Walker with your taser watch. Oh, I'm trying not to laugh during this. Um, and again, you know, the problem with getting these reports off the Internet, it doesn't say exactly where this where this happened. This Let's happened... assume that it happened in uh, Florida. Florida. Yes. <gasps> you bastard. Well, it did happen in a place called Fountain. And so I think Fountain, it's either going to be in Florida or California. That was me. Uh, a man, uh, a woman was arrested for, was arrested for resisting arrest. Um Officer pulled out the taser, and the woman said, quote, tase me in my face. <laughs> I've been waiting for the taser. <laughs> uh, I like girls who like to get tased in the face <laughs> myself. Yeah, the altercation started, uh, there was there was a, a husband and wife involved. Um, the altercation started with the couple's 25-year-old son recklessly driving an ATV on Evergre- Evergreen Street, officers said. The police officers came to take the son away, who was 25. So we're going to assume that she's at least, mom's at least 38. Yeah. Okay, 38, son's 25, something like that. I mean, it is, you do have to, there's sort of a, uh, it's a <laughs> grading on a curve exactly. with families like that. Exactly. Uh, the woman was resisting arrest. Again, the officer pulled out the taser. And I just love this because I've had women say some, some pretty interesting things to me, but they've never said, tase me in my face. And, you know, we've been talking about, especially during the break, about some of the strange relationships we've had. Um, I did date someone once who I think it just never occurred to her to say, tase me. But if she'd been face. able to, like, if she'd had the mental acuity, she would have put that together eventually. That's right. So that, that's going to be my catchphrase for 2009. Hey, baby, tase me in my face. Tase me in the face is the new don't tase me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but we need to get audio of her saying. But, I mean, why, does it give any context for, th- I mean, not that that would make it no. more sensical, but, I mean... It, it just says that, you know, he she was resisting arrest. You, you picture it. They come to take the kid away. Right. The kid's probably drunk, and they're probably drunk. I and... wonder if she said it, like, sort of, all, like, sarcastic, tauntingly. I'm sure she What did. are you going to do? Tase me in the... Yeah! You know? <laughs> <laughs> right in the eyes, sister. Jackass. Oh, all right. There you go. Um, and then here's an interesting story. This is... Now, is that the end of the taser watch? That is the end of the taser right. watch. Well, let's close that out. Okay. There's your taser watch.
Was the Don't Taze Me guy from this year? Yeah. Uh, was it this was year? Was that 2008? You know, I realize now we're doing the final show of 2008, no, no, and we sure. haven't really ever done... We didn't really we ever do a wrap-up. We never did a high concept up. or anything. We never did a high... I was going to do a high concept of things... Because you and I talked about this a bit on Outlook Portland yesterday. Stuff that um, happened this year that we've probably forgotten about. Because you said Alexandra Dupree or whatever her name yeah, was. Yeah. But, you know, and Pregnant Man, blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, I got two stories here, and I can't decide which one, so I'm going to jump into this one. I just noticed this one, though. There was a man arrested in Peekskill, New York, for operating an illegal dentist. He was was a dentist, but he wasn't really a dentist. Like a Dr. Nick, like in his garage kind of a... Exactly. Uh, It was Carlos Flores was running a... um, a dentistry practice out of his home, and he was arrested. And, you know, again, you, just take a look at Carlos Flores. Would you let that man wow, go no. with anything? No, no, yeah. I would not. And um, But and they're, showing, they're showing the dental setup, too. Here's the great thing about it. Uh, I know that this is radio, so I will describe this. So they're showing it. First of all, Sarah, look at this guy who is running the illegal dentistry operation. Okay. Oh, and by the way, the taser thing did happen in 2007. All right. Oh, my God. I wouldn't let the guy anywhere near my mouth. That's what I'm saying. But you know what? Are those this like- this is an indictment about health care in America. Yes, it is. That's like ear candling. Yes. Um, the, uh, but here's the best part about that story is how they're showing his setup. They're like, this is the, you know, this is the homemade setup with which Carlos blah, 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 was operating like a dental lab. Cotton balls and tweezers. It's just a big pile of metal tools. Like, they're not even sorted. Yeah, it looks like something out of Planet of the Apes. It really like does. Yeah, it's, just, it's just a big, it's like my, it's like my mom's tool shed that she would have <laughs> given me like, go get me those garden shears. And it's like I go, and it's just a big pile of like rusty metal sitting in a dimly, you know, like a dimly lit corner of the tool shed. It, it looks like something out of a Nine Inch Nails video. <laughs> Really, it does. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> All right, um, Trent Reznor's dentist song. Let's do one more, and we'll break, and we'll come back. Time for one more. Okay, fellow passengers pounced on a Toronto man who tried to pry open a door on a Sky Service Airlines flight yesterday over the Dominican Republic. Yesterday, as in literally yesterday, is when this happened. Um, I guess this is just the sort of story that happens. You think about what would I do in a situation yes. like this? Um, and apparently, this guy just. Doesn't say why he tried to open the door mid-flight as they were going to the Dominican Republic, but five or six passengers tried to immobilize this guy. They wound up tying him up with his own belt. Um, and but apparently, I guess doors can't be opened on. No, that's the thing. We'll see. But now, was this a was this an American airline? It was a uh, well, it's Sky Service Airlines. I have because no if it's idea. like I mean, look, who knows how they build things in the Dominican yeah. Republic? But I mean, like most airplanes, yeah, the door you actually have to open outward, yeah. Uh, wait, no. No, that's wrong. You have to open the door inward, then outward. Yeah. And it's done that way because the air pressure means you actually can't open it. And it's 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 almost like the uh, pill bottles that you can yeah, press down. Exactly. Certain, like, it's a child-proof yeah. door. So. Um, but again, if it's like a Haitian airplane or something, God only knows. I mean, Well, it was it was a Boeing B-757, um, and they had to make an unscheduled landing, which I hope they would. And uh, I, I have a fear of flying. And I, every flight I get on, I think to myself... Okay, if I got to take somebody, if some guy goes nuts, tries right. to, who could I take? Who could you take? So I, I, side, I do that at the grocery store, too, you know, wherever I'm at. It was like, could you subdue him? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I, you know, and uh, I think George Carlin, I think, once, once I'm talked about how he had sort of the different, he had the different take on which is like, if there was some sort of an emergency and the plane was on fire and I had to crawl over someone to get out, like, who, who would I pick? Like, who can I probably throw out of the way? Yeah. You know? Who's, who's, whose life are you willing to sacrifice so that you can live? Oh, well, that, well the answer to that is almost anyone. It's just, <laughs> it, am I physically able to do it? Are we doing the Glorious Bastard of the Year let's here? Do it. All right. I don't know if I found the song that you Well, let's, while you get the music, let's quickly, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be, mystery guest? 
This would be Aaron Duran wishing everybody a Happy New Year's. Happy New Year, Aaron. Hello. Hello. Right. And your twin Aaron. is here, too. Yeah. What? David Walker is here as well. I know. Well, you know, I, I get to see David Walker every Friday on Court and Fat Boy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, All right, yeah David Walker, I am one of the people that can the talk to David gone. Walker. We can talk about the weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any event, big plans for you on New Year's, Aaron. Uh, I'm probably going to just uh, stay in with some friends and uh, drink away 2008 and hope that it's nowhere near. It's just, I hope that 2009 is nowhere near as bad as 2008. Ended. Well, 2008, I mean, did have a lot of, Susan reminded us, a lot of great moments. But it just, at the end of the year, we did sort of seem to get, it's like when you're, uh, it's like when you're finishing coffee and you get down to the dregs at the bottom. All the dregs oh, yeah. kind of came in December for us. So All of 2008, most of 2008 was like a Rocky montage. Yeah. And then the end was like Avon Drago pounding on us. And New Year's Eve is me getting back up, hoping I can take one more swing at him. Indeed. Well, happy uh, New Year to you and, and, uh, and all the, uh, and all, all your peeps, my friend. Absolutely, and to everyone else. All right, thank you, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Sarah Dillon, have we music? (laughs) Is this Duel of the Fates? It just says Star Wars, John Williams. Well, okay. No, no, no. I'm gonna. That's okay. I'm gonna work. No, we're we're all pros here. We'll work through it. Greetings and salutations. This guy's a badass name. Greetings and salutations, Alan Force. You are the glorious bastard of the year. Yes, your name has been chosen from all the many thousands of glorious bastards to be showered with goods and consumer merchandise of all manner and types and fashions and varieties. You, Alan Force, have won the following. One Case of Lemon Viso, The End of the Wild DVD, The Game Plan on DVD, The Life of Brian Immaculate Edition on DVD, Rush Hour 3, American Gangster, The Complete First Season on DVD, Dan in Real Life on DVD, Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, The Shield, The Complete Sixth Season, Sports Night, The Complete Series, The Muppet Show, The Complete Third Season, This Music is Making Me Speak Really Quickly, and Bacon Salt. Greetings, congratulations, salutations, and the respect of all on The Rick Emerson Show. Alan Force, you are the glorious bastard of the year! We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't forget we are off uh, tomorrow and uh, Friday, then uh, back Monday, uh, and so forth. And uh, moving on in that fashion. Uh, we once again want to thank uh, David Walker, who's joined us today, pop culture analyst. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure, and I hope you guys have a great 2009. Thank you so much. Now, now, uh, now we've been using your badass mofo website, but you've actually got like a family-friendly one. No, I, it's not really. I have a family-friendly name. But I mean the name. domain. Because yeah. well, we, we do the Outlook <laughs> Portland thing. And after you film an episode of Outlook Portland, they come over and they're like, all right, what is your name? Okay, I spell that. Okay, and uh, what's your website? So they can put it on the screen. And I told them, like, I'm like, I don't know that they're going to put badass mofo on the screen. And you got, you know, what is it? The, the DavidWalkerSite.com. All one word. All right, the DavidWalkerSite.com. Um, I don't know. I feel like I ought to be asking you to sum up 2008 or some some such. It's but been a pleasure I, having you on today. Yeah, it really it's has. It's been a pleasure. Good. This Today's been the high point of 2008. Oh, oh, thanks so much. Do you feel even incrementally less crazy? I, I do. It's, Does it's this make cathartic. you feel yeah. better to be around crazy? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's soothing. Yeah. You guys aren't that crazy. You're like E.T. going out on Thanksgiving. <laughs> or on Thanksgiving. On Halloween. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So, we're all, you know, and so forth. Uh, all right. Do I have time to take one call? Yeah. All right, this is the last call of the year. Oh, boy. Don't suck, or you're going to jinx everything for 2009, whoever you are. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, final call of the year. Hello, Mr. Emerson. How are you doing? Hello, sir. 
I hope you all have a happy new year. 2008 was the year of red wine and bad breath. Bye-bye. Okay. How do we feel about that? One, let's do one more. All right. <laughs> no. Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, newly christened final call of the year. Please don't suck. Go. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Hello. January 20th, Repo, the genetic opera, will be out on DVD. Bam! Thank there you. we go. We're not going to let you speak any further. I don't want to ruin it. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, from all of us to, to all y'all, uh, have a, a great uh, New Year's, uh, you know, no killing, uh, kidding aside, uh, all killing aside, all kidding aside, or both, uh, be safe, because you're surrounded by idiots everywhere you go. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker in the newsroom, David Walker. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donaf with me, Reynolds. Like us next, Michael Maris show at 7. Uh, best ofs tomorrow and Friday, back on Monday. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. KCMD Portland. So. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps this is fate that today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom, not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, 